Alright, and here at verse number 27, it's a continuation of what we had been doing earlier in Surah Ad. As we mentioned to you, that Surah Ad again is a Makki Surah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to the people, the atheists, and trying to tell them about the different signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So here, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning? This is something that the unbelievers were saying. And the unbelievers were saying that if why has a ayah, a sign, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not been sent down with the Prophet from his Rabb. So they wanted some type of clear sign or some type of clear miracle. This is something we've discussed with you earlier as well, that even then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they would not have believed in any case. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقُلْ say to them, my beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leads astray whomsoever he wills, وَيَهْدِيهِ man anab, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides whoever turns to him. And this is a new formula structure. Normally what you saw up till now was, يُذِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَهْدِيهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ That he leads away whomsoever he wills, and he guides whomsoever he wills. So Yudhillu, the more better way to translate this in English, what I'd explained to you before, is that Allah SWT does not misguide anyone, but He lets them go astray. So you can phrase it this way, that Allah SWT leaves whomsoever He wills to go astray, and He guides to Himself whomsoever turns towards Him. So it makes it clear then, in this ayah specifically, this notion, this is a very good reference for people, Surah 13, verse 27, when people who raise this question of free will and predestination, and they ask this question that, what does it mean if Allah Ta'ala misguides somebody, then they would never be able to turn to Him. Right? How would they ever be able to turn to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala when He misguides them? So here Allah Ta'ala makes it clear, man anaba, whomsoever turns to Him, Allah Ta'ala will guide Him. So it's clear then the people who will be left to go astray, and again, not misguided, but they will be left to go astray, hidayah, mazid hidayah will not be sent down upon them. They are the ones who don't turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As far as the believers, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about them? So indeed, those who believe, those are those people. So this is a definition of the people of iman. It means that their spiritual hearts get itminan from the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what it means to be a believer. That their spiritual heart gets itminan, serenity, peace, tranquility, contentment. When any time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned, that can be in tilawat quran that can be in dars bayan, that can be in dua, that can be in zikr, that can mean anything. In any which way Allah ta'ala is mentioned, recollected, remembered, that gives them itminan in their heart. That's the ghazai kulub, that's the sustenance of the hearts, that's the nourishment of their hearts, is mention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in those things that are pleasing to Him. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That you should be well informed that only and only in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will the spiritual hearts ever find peace and serenity. So first thing here again, we've been highlighting to you throughout from the start, that kalb means spiritual heart. Just like your body has a heart, that is the organ that pumps blood. Your ruh has a heart, 
the heart of the ruh is called qalb in Qur'an. So it doesn't mean that if somebody is going through a heart attack, you do zikrullah, the heart attack will stop. The heart attack is a physical heart. It means a person's spiritual heart will have itminan, will have peace and tranquility with the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here normally the way we explain this verse is that there are two types of itminan. One is what we call itminan hakiki, and the second is what we call itminan majazi. Itminan hakiki means real itminan. True itminan, that is what was being referred to here. That a believer is such that they only get real itminan by zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah Ta'ala, the second part of the ayah said, Allah bi qulub, indeed know that true itminan can come only and only from the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is false itminan? False itminan are the hobbies and pastimes, sometimes halal, sometimes haram that people engage in. Why do I say it's false itminan? So for example, somebody says that I listen to music because it gives me peace. I read the, I watch the movie because it was a source of relaxation. But you will see that the second that activity stops, the stress comes back. So if there's a student in the university and he feels sad about something and he puts on a movie in his laptop, the second the movie ends, the depression and anxiety and tension and stress comes right back. So that's not real, it's been on. You did an activity for two hours and after it ended, it didn't even last you one minute. So what does he do? He pops another one in. And then another two hours and he pops in until he <laughs> conks. He f- crashes and falls asleep out of fatigue. And then even when he wakes up, he has no snow, it's been on that sleep, he will toss and turn. And when he wakes up, he will not feel restful. That's called false itminan. Itminan majazi means a delusional itminan. True itminan means you do an activity and that should last you hours. So when Sahabi Ikram, switch places. So false itminan, uh, true itminan means you do something just for a couple of minutes and it lasts you hours, right? So when Sahabi Ikram, when they, they also faced hardship and difficulty and trying times. So what would they do? They would pray two rakats nafal salah. Two rakats nafal salah, five minutes. And itminan would last them days. That itminan hakiki. That there's an activity that if you do it, it will last you days and days. And fake itminan is you do it for hours and it doesn't even last you minutes. So for example, if a person goes on umrah and they go with the proper niyat and they go and they do all the ibadat there with all the adab, when they come, it's a two-week journey. When they come back, they say it lasted them for months. And then if instead a person decides to go for a vacation to Paris, they come back after one week. Within one week, they're arguing with everyone again. They're having all their stress again. They're having all their problems again. Why? Because that one week in Paris wasn't real itminan. That was a majazi itminan. That was spur of the moment. That didn't last at all. So one problem, one way that Allah spawned on the rupt between, now what is the rupt between these two ayahs? And on the one hand, Allah Ta'ala is talking about He guides whoever turns to Him and He lets, leaves astray whoever doesn't, right? And now He's talking about Itzminan. The rupt, the rupt means the relationship between these two ayahs is that that person who turns to Allah Taala, then Allah Ta'ala will give them Itzminan in their deen. And the person who instead tries to find Itzminan in those other areas, then number one, like I told you, they will end up in fake false itminan. And number two, they may even lose the itminan from their deen. So they will come and they say, Quran And they're not lying, they're being honest. 
Allah Ta'ala lifted up the itminan from actual sources of itminan from them because they chose to find itminan in alternative sources. So this is one way that Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala in the yudhillu man yasha that He lets a person go astray. He says that okay, itminan lay in my deen, itminan lay in my zikr. And you chose to find comfort in something else. Itminan lay in the sunnah of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And you chose to find something else. So then Allah Ta'ala sometimes removes the attraction of deen from that person. So they say, I don't feel like praying. I'm not attracted to praying. The sunnah is not attractive to me. It's because they chose something else. Allah Ta'ala removes the attraction, itminan from deen from them. That then becomes a very difficult situation. How to get oneself out, right? Because then anybody who asks me that question is because they feel bad. They feel bad that I don't feel like praying, I don't feel like reading Quran, I don't enjoy it, right? So the way to get out is this, inabat illallah. All you have to do is turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to turn your heart towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua. You, instead of, in addition to asking me a question like this, you have to present this very thing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to fall in sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, Ya Allah, what's the matter with me? I don't enjoy Quran. I don't enjoy Salah. I'm not interested in it. These things bore me. These things have no attraction for me. Instead, I have all types of other attractions and I'm chasing all these other things that I found alluring. So if you present this problem to Allah SWT in dua, whether it's in sajda or otherwise, then you become man anab, the person who turned to Allah. When you turn to Allah SWT, then Allah SWT yahdi ilayhi. Man anab, Allah Ta'ala will surely and certainly guide that person. So that is the rub between this, that if we want that Allah Ta'ala in this, all this enjoyment that I get from all these things in this world, I want to trade up, right? I want to trade up and I want to instead get the enjoyments and pleasures that lie in deen. So all a person has to do to get that itminan is man anab has to turn to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and they will get the itminan that comes from the zikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And you know, another sign of this is the opposite. When it's something, when a person is in a gathering where the zikr of Allah subhanahu is not being done, they have bait minani, or what you call bait hmm? They lose it. It's another, that flip is the case here. So one sign of the believers is that their itminan is when zikr of Allah is taking place. Second sign is they don't, they, they have the opposite of itminan. They're disturbed, they're unsettled. It's unsettling for them to see things that go against the wish of Allah subhanahu it's unsettling for them. They're unsettled in environments and gatherings where people are disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? They're unsettled when people are mocking the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah It's unsettled, it disturbs them, it shakes them up. It shakes them up. But they're itminan and they're settled when the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking place. Alright. So another way, the next ayah, this is now number 29, another way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes those who believe, Alladheena amanu wa amilu salihat tubalahum wa husnu ma'ab. That indeed those who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and second what do they do? And they do good deeds. So they adorn their iman with a'mal. They adorn their iman with a'mal. So that means their iman is dynamic. It's not dormant. Their iman is dynamic. So what, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say for these people? Hmm, where do we go? Tuba. Tuba means, you know, joy. Tuba lahum. Joy and happiness is for them. Joy and happiness would be for them. So now this is another word. Not only do they have itminan, not only do they have tranquility, they have joy. Joy and happiness is for them. وَحُسْنُ ma'ab, And they will have the most wonderful arrival at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will have the, if you can say, it means they will have the most noble ultimate abode. 
But mob can also refer to like a homecoming. So when they return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when they enter that ultimate final abode, they will have the most noble and excellent abode, but they will also return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the most noble and excellent way. كَذَلَكَ أَرْسَلْنَاكَ فِي أُمَّةٍ كَنْ خَلَطْ مِنْ كَمْ لِهَا أُمَمْ That indeed thus do we send you, Nabi Akareem sallallahu to a community before which many, many communities have already passed before this. لِتَطْلُوا عَلَيْهِمَ الَّذِي أَوْهَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ So that you may recite to them all of that which we reveal to you. So here also Allah Ta'ala makes it clear, it's not just ayat, it's not just verses of revelation. So Nabi when he used to speak the hadith, that was also a revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's not scriptural kitabi revelation, but he didn't speak. And that's why he says in Quran, Allah says in Quran, say to them that I don't speak unless I'm inspired to speak. Sometimes that speaking is scriptural revelation, kitab, Quran, and other times that is hikmat, tirbiyah, that is also coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, the Nabi Kareem Sassam, when he spoke hadith, that he didn't come up with that stuff himself. Nothing in deen is man-made, and nothing in deen is even nabi-made. Even the ahadith, entire sunnah, that is as much Allah-made as the Qur'an al-Kareem is, Allah Ta'ala's made. Alright. So, Nabi Islam is Allah Ta'ala's telling him, to tell it to people that I recite you, whatever Allah Ta'ala reveals to me, you will recite to them, whatever Allah Ta'ala reveals to you. وَهُمْ يَكْفُرُونَ بِالرَّحْمَانِ Now, this is another fascinating way Allah Ta'ala is describing the disbelief of the atheist. Who is it that they disbelieve in? Ar-Rahman. They're disbelieving in that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the most merciful, who is the epitome of mercy, who is the embodiment of mercy, who is mercy incarnate, who is absolute mercy. Allahu Akbar. So this is a way to understand kufr. It's not, you know, in people when they try to philosophically present the atheism, they present it in a palatable way. As if it's okay, yeah, you know, I don't believe in God. So she says, you hum yakfaruna bin Rahman. They're just they're not disbelieving in quote unquote God. They're disbelieving in Ar Rahman, that believing who is the that being who is the ultimate embodiment of all absolute, complete, universal mercy, and who has sent that mercy down upon them. That's who they're disbelieving in. So it's no small affair. No small affair. So call so say to them, my Nabi Karim Sallallahu who are Rabbi. That that Ar-Rahman that you disbelieve in, who are Rabbi, he is my Rabb, la ilaha illahu, that there is no being worthy of worship other than him. Alayhi tawakkaltu wa ilayhi matab, and to in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone do I trust, wa ilayhi matab, and again to him alone do I turn, or to him alone will be my return. To him alone do I turn, and to him alone will be my return. Matab also is coming at you from Toba, so it can also mean to him alone do I turn to in repentance. Right? But generally, normally what people will translate it for you, that generally that to him alone I turn. Right? Or to him alone I return. Okay. Now that Nabi Akim Allah SWT in verses 31 onward is going to mention Malakadis No Walaw anna Qur'anan suyirat bihil jibalu That if indeed the Qur'an al-Kareem If there was ever to be a Qur'an al-Kareem By which the mountains were to be moved To move the mountains Wakutti'at bihil ardu Awkallima bihil mawta Or such that the earth would be Split or rent asunder The earth would be split or rent asunder It means the earth would be shattered right? Or the dead could be made to speak 
or the dead or kal or kullima bihil mota, the dead will be made to speak. Ballillahil Amru Jimia. But no, instead, Allah every single matter lies in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is that even if the Quran was revealed in such a way that it caused the earth to shatter, that it caused the dead to speak, right? Even then these people would not have believed. It would have it would have been the same Quran. There are two meanings here. Number one, that they wouldn't believe. And number two, if a Qur'an was to be sent down with this miraculous power, it would be the same Qur'an. The same Qur'an has that miraculous power. That is something else that is not part of the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then follows up by saying, بَلِلَّهِ amru jami'ah." But rather to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs all matters, the amr, the command, the decree. This very Qur'an would make the earth shatter and would rent the earth asunder and would make the mountains move and would make the dead speak. But Allah Ta'ala's, the command lies with Him and He has not allowed that to take place. He has not let the mountain reflect the impact of Qur'an on it. He has not let the earth show what it wants to show. What the earth feels when Qur'an is being revealed and recited, the earth is shaken so much it wants to be shattered. But Allah Ta'ala's power decrees that it should not let itself be shattered. This is what Allah SWT is saying in the Quran. There is no, but this book has that miraculous power. And second part was that they wouldn't have believed in it anyway. So second part in that sense, then the matters in Allah SWT's hands means that their belief or disbelief uh, lies in the hands of Allah SWT. Afalam yayasil ladina amanu. Allah yasha'ullahu lahadan nasa jami'ah. So what Allah is saying that the believers should realize that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had wanted, He could have guided all of humanity. He could have guided all of humanity. So they should realize that, they should know that. However, وَلَا يُزَالُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا تُسِيبُهُمْ بِمَا سَنَعُوا قَارِئَةٌ أَوْ تَخُلُّوا قَرِيبًا مِّن دَارِهِمْ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ وَعْدُ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُخْلِفُ الْمِيْعَادِ but, however, because of their evil deeds, what's going to happen is for the disbelievers, because of their misdeeds, because of their sins, or you can say, Because of every single thing that they do, everything that they do and commit and all of their actions, but it's understood here to mean that the actions of kufr, just like iman is accompanied with a'malu salih, kufr is going to be accompanied with a'malu sayyah. So because of all of their misdeeds, because all of the evil they will perpetrate and they will do, so what is going to happen? Allah subhanahu is going to inflict His punishment on them. That some calamity or the other will always descend and afflict them. Uh, disaster or calamity will always afflict them. Right? La yazalu means it will never cease. That's the proper translation. But it's loosely translated as always. Never will it cease, it will never stop, it will never be separated from them. There will be no zawal, there will be no lifting up. Calamity after calamity after difficulty will afflict them. Right. And it will afflict them and it will fall close to their homes. It will fall close to their homes. Kariban min darahim, it will fall close to the homes, hatta yati wadullah, until the promise of Allah subhanahu will come. Indeed, Allah ta'ala does not break His promise, means Allah ta'ala never fails to keep His promise, means that that promise, now I explained to you before, in the case of the kuffar of Makkah Mukarramah, it will be the fat, 
the victory that the Muslims will have, that they will be victorious, they will be triumphant, and that's going to happen when they enter Makkah Mukarramah and they consolidate their rule in Arabia. All right. Some of the Mufassirin have said, the first view of when will the promise come, that refers to Fatimaka. Second means it refers to their death. That for every unbeliever until they die, they will have some difficulty that will afflict them, and that will last until Allah's wa'da comes, and the wa'da is kullu nafsin za'ikatul maut, that indeed each and every soul will taste death. And the third tafsir is that it refers to the Day of Judgment. That it will last all the way up till the Day of Judgment. That would mean that that would include difficulties in the grave. That will include difficulties in being resurrected. That will include difficulties in the whole process of Day of Judgment until their actual hisab is taken. So that is the wa'da, that's another wa'da that Allah has made. That everybody will have to face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in hisab in terms of reckoning and their account. So three different ways it can be taken. That Allah Ta'ala, and none in all three cases can be understood simultaneously again. This is one of those features of Quran that I've told you before. That multiple meanings can be understood simultaneously. Allah Ta'ala has chosen to put layers and layers and layers of meaning even on single ayat, even sometimes single words. O my beloved Messenger, you should know that many, many anbiya even before you were mocked and jested at فَأَمْلَيْتَ لِلَّذِينَ كَفُرُوا ثُمَّ أَخَزْتُهُمْ So فَأَمْلَيْتَ Allah Ta'ala says and then what فَأَمْلَيْتُ that what would I do? I would give some respite, some reprieve to those who disbelieved. It means I wouldn't punish them immediately when they used to mock the prophets. I would give them some time. So we've seen that already in the previous two, three, four surahs. There was extreme mention of all of that. The distinguishing thing you saw by the way, the pattern changed in Sayyidina Yusuf Alayhi all the previous anbiya had the same pattern, whether it was Sayyidina Hud al-Islam, Sayyidina Salah al-Islam, Sayyidina Shoaib al-Islam, Sayyidina Lut al-Islam, etc. That they came to their people and the people didn't accept them and the punishment came. But when it comes to Sayyidina Yusuf al-Islam, there's no mention in Quran actually of who he preached to and did they respond, right? Who were the addressees of his nabuat and did they respond to him or did they not respond to him and were they punished or not? So the understanding is actually that from this earliest period, which is the time of Sayyidina Yaqub and Sayyidina Yusuf the people did actually, there was actually a strong, vibrant community of believers around these two prophets and Allah Ta'ala, and they did not mock the prophets and therefore punishment didn't come to them. But for this group or Allah Ta'ala, the other ones, that Allah Ta'ala says, I would give them some reprieve and then and then my punishment would seize them. Then my punishment would seize them. And indeed then what, um, how could you imagine, what, how, literally means and how you can't imagine. There is no way you can contemplate how intense that punishment was. That indeed how intense was that punishment that Allah Ta'ala afflicted upon them. أَفَمَنْ هُوَ قَائِمٌ عَلَى كُلِّ نَفْسٍ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ وَجَعَلُوا لِلَّهِ شُرَكَاءَ كُلْ سَمُّوهُمْ أَمْ تُنَبِّئُونَهُ بِمَا لَا يَعْلَمُوا فِي الْعَرْضِ أَمْ بِظَاهِرٍ مِّنَ الْقَوْلِ بَلْ زُيِّنَ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مَكْرُهُمْ وَسُدُّوا عَنِ السَّبِيلِ وَمَنْ يُدْلِ اللَّهُ فَمَا لَهُ مِنْ حَادِ so Allah SWT is saying, أَفَمَنْ هُوَ قَائِمًا عَلَى كُلِّ نَفْسًا That indeed that being means Allah SWT. Huwa here means Allah. That indeed that being, i.e. Allah SWT. 
who literally means stands over every soul. It means his awareness encompasses every deed of every single soul, every creature, every being. About each and every single thing that they do. So what does it mean? It means that it's such a being, would such a being need a partner that they do shirk? That being that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whose awareness encompasses every single soul and what they do, would such a being need a partner? Such that they and yet they ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So cool, so say to them, my beloved, so sammuhum, number one, name them. Name these beings who you're ascribing as partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And second, amtunambi'unuhu bima la ya'lamu fil earth. That can you tell him, can you tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about anything on the earth, anything that he doesn't know, la ya'lamu. Is there anything that you think that Allah doesn't know for which you would rather ascribe a partner to him that that other partner knows that? Right? Ambidahir min al qawl. Or is this just in a display of their words? Is it just mere words that they utter in an outward form? Right? Obviously that's what it was. They just up in the of say on their own they were believing in these different idols. Then Allah says indeed that Allah Ta'ala has made makruhum the, the scheming and plotting and devising of the unbelievers. He's made it alluring to them. They find it attractive. And again this is another attribute. This is another attribute of the member. We should say that we should trace the attributes of kufar and make sure we don't have them inside of us. People who like to sit around and plot and scheme and hatch up plans and devise their machinations and come up with strategies. This is and they're allured to that and they're attracted by that. Sometimes between believers it takes the form of ghibat, sometimes it takes the form of colleagues planning to how to cut the other, undercut their fellow colleague at work. Sometimes it takes the people getting together to strategically hurt somebody, right? So this is the attribute of the unbelievers, that this has been made alluring to them. They love it. This is their favorite pastime. Right? And then what does Allah want to say instead? And they are barred from following the path. Which was Sabilullah, right? The path that leads to Allah Mustaqim. Because of their kufr. And this is what Allah wants to say. Whomsoever Allah chooses to leave astray, there is no one who can guide them. Because the only guide is Allah SWT. The only guide is Allah SWT. So if Allah chooses not to guide someone and let them go astray, doesn't mean He's making them go astray. When Allah chooses not to guide someone and let them go astray, they will not find any guide because there is no other guide other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in fact one of his names from the small husna. He is Al-Hadi. He is the ultimate guide. And indeed they will have a punishment in this world. Now in previous communities, unbelievers were actually punished. Punishment can mean, number one, you can say if you want to take it up, they won't have it minah. They will never have true it minah. They may have luxury, prosperity, they may have wealth, right? But they won't have it. No. It can mean other things. Allah Ta'ala may punish them in many other ways in this world. And indeed, however, the punishment that they will have to face in the Akhirah, Ashaqqu, Ashaqqu, you can understand from more mushakkat wala. Ashaqqu will be even more difficult, will be harder on them. Will be even harder on them. وَمَالُهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ مِنْ وَاقِ And indeed they will have no being who can defend them against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, there is nothing, no being who can save them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This comes from Waqaya, same root of taqwa, right? Waqin, that's the ism file. There will be nothing who can, no, there will be no being who is their savior who can stave off that punishment that Allah ta'ala will put on them. مَثْلُ الْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي وَعِدَ الْمُتَّقُونَ 
Now Allah Ta'ala changes it. Now what is the likeness of that Jannah that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala has promised to the people of Taqwa? So what does this mean? Does mean a person without Taqwa may be able to get it, but the people of Taqwa have a wa'da from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. that the people of Taqwa have been promised this Jannah. What is the Tajim in Tatihul Anhar? There will be gardens underneath them, underneath which rivers flow. That all of the edible items of Jannah, uh, all of the edible items of Jannah, they will have perpetually, uh, they will have food to drink. Let's put it that way. The edible items of Jannah and the food and nourishment will be perpetual. They will always have it. Whatever they want to eat, whatever fruits they want. And its shade, the coolness of the shade of Jannah will also be perpetual. Tilka ukbal ladina tako, and indeed this is the outcome of those who adopt taqwa. Wa ukbal kafirina nar, and the outcome of the disbelievers, and the ultimate outcome, it means their end up place of the disbelievers, is anar, is the fire of jahannam. Alright. وَالَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ And what about those indeed to whom we revealed the scripture? يَفْرَهُونَ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ They rejoice in what has been revealed to you. They are happy over what has been revealed to you in Nabiya Kareem Wasallam. This is referring to those and the kitab who accept iman. However as well, they are وَمِنَ الْأَحْزَابِ But from amongst them there are also certain groups and factions who do what? مَنْ يُنْكِرُ بَعْضَهُ Who deny portions of it. So they accept and believe in those portions that are identical to what is in the Torah and Injil. And they deny those portions that bring something new, especially those portions that talk about the Risalat of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. So, قُلْ Say to them, my beloved messenger Wasallam, إِنَّمَا أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَعْبُدُ اللَّهِ Indeed, I have been commanded with nothing else and nothing other than I worship Allah SWT alone. وَلَا أُشْرِكَ بِهِ And I not, that I do not ascribe any partners to Him. إِلَيْهِ أَدُعُوا And to Allah, it's Allah subhanahu alone that I call in prayer and I turn to in dua. Wa alayhi ma'ab. And to him and him alone is my return or my turning. To him, it can mean both. To him and him alone is my return. And to him and him alone is my turning. Wa kadalika anzalnahu hukman arabiyya. And thus also did we send, and it's referring to Quran al-Kareem, that we sent the Quran al-Kareem down. What hukman? as a means of which to give judgment, the basis of wisdom upon which judgment will be issued, Arabiya in the Arabic language. But however, Prophet if you were to follow their desires, again, now this is another one of those, I've been tracking this with you, one of the Jalali ayat, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even sends his Jalal and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu shows his azmat and kibriyai to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu shows the ubudiyat of even Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu that every single person and even the Anbiya and even Imam al-Anbiya wal-Mursaleen is also nothing other than an abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, it's primarily an abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Wala tabata ahwa'uhum. That if you indeed, if you, verily, lamash for taqeer, verily indeed were you, Prophet sallam, to follow ahwa'uhum, the whims and desires of these unbelievers, ba'dama ja'aka min al-ilm, after knowledge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has come to you, ma laka you, Prophet would not have. Min Allahi min waliyin wala waq. Allahu Akbar. You would not have any wali. And you same word that Allah used for them, min waq. You see it at the end of 20, uh, at the end of 34. You would not have any friend, and you would not have any waq, any savior to protect you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Allahu Akbar. Even Nabi Kareem Sallallahu is being taught. That means that me and you who are his ummat, if we think that we don't do ibadah and somehow Allah Ta'ala will forgive us, if we don't do ibadah, somehow we'll still make it into Jannah. If we don't follow the ahkam of Qur'an, we don't follow the ahkam of Sunnah, we, after ilm has come to us, so this is something we should think about. al-ilm. So one thing is a person never knew. One is a person who knew better. Who knew better. And still, they choose to leave some teaching of the deen. They knew it to be deen, and they left it. They knew it to be the wish of Allah, and they left it. They knew it to be the sunnah of the Prophet and they left it. And they had that knowledge, and they leave it after that knowledge. So they should be worried about this, that you follow whims and desires. You follow whims and desires and fancies of yourself or other people. After ilm had come to you, that you will not have, where, where can you find? You will not find from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any wali or any walk, any protector, any patron, any savior. وَلَكَنْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ And indeed Nabi Yaqlim Sassu know that we sent down many, many anbiya before you. Many, many anbiya before you. وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجٌ وَذُرِّيَةٌ And we made for each and every one of them, we bestowed upon them when we made for them, when we gave them spouses, wives, and offspring. This I mentioned to you before, that every single Nabi was married. Sayyidina Isa is the exception, and he will get married when he comes back. There are one or two other Anbiya over which there is some difference of opinion as to whether they ever got married or not. Alright? But here Allah Sponsor is making clear, so Azwaj, having wives, is part of the Nabawi Tabiyat. Therefore, this is why the Prophet says, Nikahu min sunnati. Nikah between a man and woman is from the sunnah of Nabi Akrim Sallallahu So contrary to Hinduism and Christianity and Buddhism, which suggests that nikah is not good, right? To be a pope, you have to be a priest. In Catholicism, you have to be celibate. To be a yogi and a guru in Hinduism, you have to be celibate. To be a monk in Buddhism, you have to be celibate. The deen of Islam says, no, nikah is part and parcel of human spirituality. And that's why the anbiyas are the height of spirituality. So the height of spirituality is received through nikah. This is why another deed, Nabi Karim Sallallahu said, an-nikahu nisful iman. That nikah is half of iman. Therefore, sometimes when some people also say, men and women, there's some men and women who say that my tabiyat is, right? And they present their tabiyat in front of deen. That mere bas mizaji nahi shade karne ka. Mera shade karne ka ke mizaj nahi hai. Aapka mizaj ka koi itibar nahi hai. If you're a person of kalima, jab aapne kalima kya di, aap kya nahi ke mein apne mizaj ko kurban aur nabiya kareem sallza ke mizaj mera taaj hai. That's what it means to be Muslim. Otherwise, what does it mean to say Ashadwanda Muhammad Abduhu Rasulullah? What does it mean to accept him as a prophet if you want to retain your mizaj when it goes against his mizaj, right? Ab look in in this world, even in simple teacher student relationship, right? Even with so let's take a very simple workshop mechanic, because in Pakistan even they they call it Ustazji, right? So you go to take your car repaired, right? was the junior mechanic, the senior mechanic, of the junior mechanic and he presented the senior mechanic, Achamina Mizaj is in terms of engine repair. Ustazji saying, you believe me as a master? When you believe me as a master, Right? If the senior mechanic feels that way about the junior mechanic, that accepting me as your instructor in engine repair means that all of your own views about engine repair are finished, you want to learn from me. So what would it mean for a human to accept somebody as their nabi and to make themselves their ummati? It means your mizaj is finished. There's only that what it means. 
If we accept Nabi Kareem maybe people don't think like that. People think that, okay, by accepting Allah means that I will only do sajda to Allah. I will only worship Allah. What does it mean to accept Muhammad and Mustafa as your Nabi? What does it mean for one human to accept another human as a prophet? It means the one who's accepting the Ummati means that my mizaj is finished. That's what it means to accept a Nabi. Right? So the mizaj of Nabi Akram and all of the Anbiya of Mursaleen is that they got married. So how? yes, sometimes a person, they're not lying. It's on their mizaj. How to change your mizaj into the sunnat mizaj, that is called tarbiyat. That is called tazkiyah. That is what the mashayik of deen, they teach. They take a person who has some other mizaj and they train him. But the person has to be willing. That's why Mashaikh used to say in the Arabic, very famous Arabic saying in the Sawaf, they used to give themselves to their teacher, like the corpse gives themselves over to the person who's doing ghusl of it. If you've ever done ghusl of a corpse, you know what I mean. You can turn it this way, pour the water, you turn it that way. Right? Complete, just get this support. And one of the greatest, greatest evils of secularism is their philosophy of individualism. They teach exactly the opposite. Kisi ko apna ustaz nahi manna or kisi ko apna bara nahi manna. Right? That me, myself and I. Right? And then when a person does this, they're cut off from the Islamic tradition of tarbiyah. Of taking somebody who is your murabbi, who does your tarbiyah, who tries to inculcate spiritual and moral qualities in you. Sifat al-mu'mineen as mentioned in Quran and the adab and akhlaq of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa Right? So this is a very important teacher. So no, hum that's who the Muslim Ummah is. We don't accept uh, this individualistic concept. Right? Alright. Okay. So, uh, so we gave up you spouses and offspring. That's the second thing mentioned here. Right? We're in verse number 38. Okay. So we gave all the unbeas passages. وَمَا كَانَ لِرَسُولٍ أَن إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ And there was no, it was impossible, inconceivable, that any prophet could ever bring an ayah, in other words, reveal, just claim an ayah had been revealed to them, إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ Except to the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's make clear, wahi in revelation is not Nabi made, it's Allah made. It's not Nabi made, it's Allah made. And that's been true for every single prophet in the entire history of humanity. لِكُلِّ أَجَلٍ كِتَابٍ Now for each and every... Um, each, each, ajal here, literally ajal here means time period. But it means for each and every age, for each and zamana, there was a kitab, there was a scripture. So every ajal has a kitab that governs it. And every ummah, we did this before, has a Nabi who is sent to it. Or as we did two, three days ago, has a had or has a guide that is sent to it. So it means that you can view human history in terms of, you can divide it in epochs of kitab. So in other words, this is age of Qur'an. From the time of the Prophet until Yom Al-Qiyamah is age of Qur'an. From the time of Sayyidina Isa Islam up to the time of Sayyidina the age of Injil. From the time of Sayyidina Musa Islam up to the time of Sayyidina Islam was the age of the Torah. This is another way to separate out human history. Yamahullahu ma yasha'u وَيُثْبِتْ That Allah SWT can, literally means erase. Allah Taala can erase whatsoever He wants. وَيُثْبِتُ And it's atafir means وَيُثْبِتُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ And Allah Taala can 
make permanent or he can uh, establish whatsoever he wants. وَإِنْدُهُ أُمُّ الْكِتَابِ And with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lies أُمُّ الْكِتَابِ Literally means the mother book. What does it mean? Okay. It means here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the master scriptural revelation. And that is one of his sifat. This is what we call kalamullah is one of the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he chose to have it inscribed on lohul mahfuz. Now part of it was revealed in Injil, part of it was revealed in Torah, right? There may be things in the Torah that Allah Ta'ala didn't repeat in the Injil, so that you can understand that is one example of a tafsir. Allah erases what He wants. There may be parts of Torah that He chooses not to include in Injil. Right? And Yuthbit Allah Ta'ala makes firm what He wants. And the Islamic understanding is Qur'an al-Kareem is muthbat, is that kitab which is, extre- is, is exclusively, uniquely, absolutely, utterly established. It contains the entirety of the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Qur'an al-Kareem itself is also, Kalamullah is also a sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here Allah is saying in the Quran that look, whether we let you, Nabi Akrim Sassam, see part of that, part of that which, part of that punishment, if you will, with which we are threatening them with, right? Or, Or, uh, or whether we, uh, part of what we, th- not necessarily threaten them, what we threaten them with, or what we've promised them, or what we've decreed to be. Or, if we take you up before that happens, if we take you up before that is, or we take you up. Either way, that the only thing that is incumbent on you is the balag. So here is a very interesting ishara. Here Allah SWT is saying is that whether you live to see directly, the first thing Allah is saying is whether you live to see Fatih Makkah, whether you live to see it with your own eyes, the victory that has been promised you, right? And that has been promised to disbelievers also that Allah Ta'ala says that I will grant you. Whether you live to see that or whether we take you up before that. So that's an interesting thing here. Now when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi received this revelation, he may have then also realized it. I think Allah Ta'ala is doing to the Prophet That nobody knows when you're going to. You may also die before Fatima Makkah takes place. You don't know. Whether you live to see it or you don't live to see it. Allahu Akbar. Second, it also means that if Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has also, the promise then was not made just to the Prophet Sallallahu The promise of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is made to deen. The promise of Allah, His wa'da is attached to deen of Islam. That's why even, the, even although it did happen in this way, but Allah Ta'ala is saying hypothetically, He could have taken the Prophet up before, still the promise would have happened. Because the promise, the, the real lesson here, is Allah Ta'ala's promise of madad and nusrat is with deen. So even if obviously we are all living, and the Ummah has been living for 13 plus 100 years without the Prophet but Allah Ta'ala's wa'da nusrat, His promise of help and madad is with deen, that very same deen that me and you have today. Right? And then Allah Ta'ala tells the Prophet that the only duty you have, there's nothing else incumbent upon you except for al-balagh, except for delivering the message. And unto us it will be to call them to account for whether they respond to it or not. Allah Akbar. It's a deep, short sentence between Allah SWT and the Prophet. فَإِنَّمَا عَلَيْكَ الْبَلَاغِ وَعَلَيْنَا الْحِسَابِ 
that all my beloved that upon you the only thing that is incumbent is that it's your job to deliver the message about alayna and then Allah Ta'ala says and it's my job to take their hisab. It's Azmat of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Azmat of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala all over Quran al Awalam yaraw anna na'til arda nanqusaha min atrafiha wallahu yahkumu la Okay do it do the, do you do they see do they see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can nankusaha min atrafiha it literally means Allah ta'ala can shrink the borders of the earth. He can make the earth to shrink from its sides, right? Uh, he can reduce the borders of the earth. So Allah ta'ala asks them that do, do they not see that? Do they not see how we can come to their land and shrink its borders? Right? This I'll explain to you in a moment. What else Mantal means by this? Uh, it's a metaphor. Wallahu yahkumu and Allah subhanahu is the one who decides. La mu'akkiba lihukmihi. And there is no one who can reverse his decision. There is no power, force, being that has the ability to reverse lihukmihi, the decision and decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. hisab. And indeed Allah subhanahu is absolutely swift in his reckoning. Alright. Here, number one, meaning that the Mufassirin have taken is that Allah subhanahu is reducing the territory of the unbelievers. So don't see how their territory is being squeezed from the sides, how their empire is coming down, right? Second meaning is that, second meaning is that Allah subhanahu has overall reduced every empire which was oppressive. Every tyrannical empire that is mentioned, Allah Ta'ala sent his azab on them. So he reduced the earth for, in terms of, as a land for people who were oppressors, he destroyed their oppressive nations. Third meaning can also be taken here, is that when Allah Ta'ala caused all of these oppressive communities to be destroyed, maybe, maybe it means that Allah Ta'ala has removed the surface area, lessened the surface area, inhabitable land of earth. For example, if an earthquake came on a community, then in terms of inhabitable land, in terms of settlement land, that is reduced. Allah Ta'ala is reducing the earth by sending His azab on those communities who were uh, guilty of disbelieving in their prophets and their anbiya and their mursaleen. Another tafsir of Ummul Kitab, one is the master scripture revelation, that is in Lohul Mahfuz. Second is that another understanding of Lohul Mahfuz is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ilm which in of itself is infinite and limitless, he has inscribed all of that on Lohul Mahfuz. And Allah Ta'ala knows best what that means. So that's why when people say on Lohul Mahfuz it's written all the things that are in the past and all the things that are in the present and all the things that are in the future. But what it refers to is that there's two types of Allah Ta'ala's ilm. Let's put it this way. So you're thinking that, okay, Allah Ta'ala's ilm is limitless and infinite, so how could it be inscribed in Lohul Mahfuz? Well, obviously one answer could be that the law itself is infinite. And the inscriptions are infinite, and the columns are infinite. Second, it could mean that Allah Ta'ala's ilm about makhluk, so because makhluk is ma'du, that's a particular portion of Allah Ta'ala's ilm. Right? About all of, and one is Allah Ta'ala's knowledge about His own self. That is what's actually limitless and infinite. But one is Allah Ta'ala's knowledge of creation. So because creation itself is limited, and Allah Ta'ala's knowledge of creation rep- represents, I wouldn't say the word limited, but a discrete body of Allah Ta'ala's knowledge. And that discrete set of knowledge could be inscribed on the Lohul Mahfuz. Right? Here, this is, these are things that the ulama of ilmu kalam of, you know, Islamic theology have long, long discussions 
in the books of Akida and the real, the real books of Akida and Kalam and Lohul Mafuz and Allah Ta'ala's ilm and its infinite nature, etc., etc. Alright. So we're, we're, we're almost finished here with this we're verse number 42. <coughs> that indeed all the people who came before these kuffar of Makkah Makarama, those before them, they also schemed and plotted, right? But know that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs all of the real plotting. In other words, what does it mean here? Now, the English words don't, they're not nice words to plot and to scheme and devise or to plan. What it means is that they came up, they had strategies, right? They, they strategized and they tried to do things. And indeed, previous disbelievers have also tried to strategize about how to counter iman and to counter deen and to go against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, means, but to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs ultimate strategy entirely, belongs efficient strategy entirely, and specifically means enactment. Enactment of makr that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, that whose strategy is going to prevail only and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As far as enactment, that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what each and every soul commits and does and earns, what every being does. Here you have now, maybe for the first time so far, kuffar. Those of you who study Arabic grammar, there are two ways to do plural. Kafirun, jama salam, kuffar, jama mukassar. وَسَيَعْلَمُ kufar. So indeed, soon, even all the unbelievers will also learn. Means no, but you can say no, learn, discover, come to know. Liman uqbaddar. That who will have the excellent abode in the akhirah? Who will have the excellent home? وَيَكُولُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَسْتَ مُرْسَلَى and in fact, the disbelievers, they say about the Prophet Mursala. You are not Mursal, you have not been sent, you're not a Rasul, you're not an envoy, right? You have not been sent. So, Qul say to them in response, my beloved Messenger Sam, Kafa Billahi Shahida. That number one, that it's Allah Ta'ala is a sufficient witness. Okay, Muttakan. And then number two, Shahidam Baini wa Bainukum, that Allah Ta'ala is sufficient witness between me and you, whether I've been sent by him or not. Allah Ta'ala is sufficient enough to testify that. Maman indahu ilmul kitab. And indeed, all knowledge of all scripture comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ilmul kitab, all of it in its entirety comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Right? Another way you can translate this is that man in the who, that who is sufficient as a witness between me and you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient as a witness between me and you. And number two, wa man in the who kitab, and whomsoever the knowledge of scripture revelation lies with such a person, that person is also enough to be a shaheed over me and you. This was uh, an ishara here to the Ahli Kitab. Both the Ahli Kitab who accepted Iman and number two, the Ahli Kitab who, stubborn, who were stubborn and didn't accept the Prophet but they knew that he was Mursal, they knew he was a Rasul, they knew he was a person who was sent by Allah SWT. They knew it. So it can also mean that, right? And thirdly, it can mean any one of us as well. It can also refer to those who have ilm of kitab, ay Qur'an. Anybody who understands Qur'an at all, anybody who has any knowledge of Qur'an whatsoever, whomsoever has any knowledge of Qur'an whatsoever will know and realize this is a revealed book. And therefore the Apostle Sam was a prophet who bore revelation. Alright. So here in Surah Rad, now we begin Surah number 14, Surah Ibrahim. Ajmar Ibrahim, this is Surah Ibrahim. Alright. 
Also, uh, one of this long series of Makansuras, this is referring to Mufti Taki Sahib's summary of this. He says that this Surah Surah Ibrahim relates to a period in which the basic proofs of the true religions were already provided to the Mushrikeen of Makkah and it is emphasized in this surah that their beliefs have no firm foundation and they will lead them to disaster both in this world and in the Akhira. However, the pagans of Makkah what did they claim? They claim to be the followers of Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam. In other words, they also knew that Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam made this Kaaba. They also knew that being Ahl Kaaba, we're being Abrahamic in terms of our faith and orientation. So at the end of the surah, then Allah SWT refutes this by citing and mentioning the very du'as of that very same Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam in which he disavowed himself from shirk and all of those who adhere to shirk. It makes it clear that, right, that the millet of Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam is not one of the mushrikeen. Alright? Okay. So this is 52 verses. Surah Aldim Allah Minash Shaitan Rajim Bismillah Rahman Rahim Alif Lam Ra Kitabun Anzal Nahu Ilayka Litukhrijan Nasa Minan Zulamati Ilan Nur Bi Idhni Rabbihim Ila Siratin Azizil Hamid So this is now the longest sentence you've seen so far attached to the Rufi Muqattaat Alif Lam Ra we've already mentioned that before and then Tilka Kitab not Tilka sorry Alif Lam Ra Kitabun Anzalnahu ilayk that this is the scriptural revelation that we indeed have sent down upon you, Nabi Kareem Sallallahu so that by means of this scriptural revelation you may be able to take all of humanity out from all of the darknesses that they're in and to bring them into nur. And you will be able to do so by the decree and will and permission of their Rabb of the rub of that very same humanity. And when you take them out from their zulumat into nur, and you do so by the idhan of their rub, where will you be taking them to? Ila siratin aziz al-hamid. Indeed, into the path of al-aziz. This is not mausu sifat. This is izafa. Sirat, the path of al-aziz, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, almighty, al-hamid, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uniquely worthy of praise. Alright? Okay. All of this is the first uh, verse of the surah, Surah Ibrahim. So here what happened is, Sirat al-Aziz al-Hamid, that is the nur. When I said that, Min al-Zulamati al-Nur, what is an-nur? So an-nur is being referred to here, described here, here as Sirat al-Aziz al-Hamid. So it means that sometimes elsewhere when nur has come, it is also referring to the Sirat al-Mustaqim. So it means basically that Allah Ta'ala is telling the Prophet Sallallahu and for us to learn. The whole purpose of Qur'an is to take us out. So whenever we read Qur'an, reflect upon Qur'an, we should look and say that what are the, what zulamat have I exited from? What are the zulamat in my life that this Qur'an has allowed me to exit from? And if it hasn't, then I mean if I'm still stuck in all my old ways, everything is the same old, same old, then the function of Qur'an, I haven't fulfilled the function of Qur'an. And second, Ilanur, how more, due to my reading and study of Qur'an, how more have I come unto Sirat al-Mustaqim? What are those features of this Sirat, right? Of Sirat al-Aziz al-Hamid that I've come onto, that I can now say I'm on, and I wasn't on that before. And if neither of these two things happen, then it just means that, you know, it's just a superficial reading of Qur'an, like, like economic students read economics textbooks, Muslims can come together and read Qur'an, Right? So this is the function, functional purpose, maqsad of Qur'an. Allahu alladhi lahu ma fi samawati wa ma fi al-ard. And Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that being that to whom belongs unique and exclusive and sole ownership and dominion and sovereignty over every single thing that relies in all of the realms that are above and all that lies on this earth. 
And alas, woe unto the disbelievers from an intense punishment. Who are the unbelievers? Again, now look at the sifat, the descriptions. That they are the ones who prefer the life of this world to the akhirah. So again, we want to be wary. Do we have this? Right in a way to check is that, well, how much do I work for this world and how much do I work for the akhirah? How much do I do a'mal that will get me this world and how much do I do a'mal of the akhirah? How much do I follow the people of this world and how much do I follow the people of Jannah? People of Jannah, the Anbiya, Siddiqeen, Shohada, Salihin. How much do I follow them? How much do I make? And it's always a deceptive individualism. It's just a question of you want to make your role model somebody in this world or you want to make your role model somebody who is destined for Jannah. That's the only choice you have. Every human being has a role model. It's human nature to emulate and pattern oneself after other behaviors and after other patterns. Right? Next attribute of theirs. And they stop people, they bar people, they restrain people from going on the path that leads to Allah. Okay, at least you could be on your own kufr. But no. And this is an attribute of the atheists. And I really find this, especially in Pakistan atheists. The hatred for Islam I've seen in the world, there's no one who hates Islam more than the Pakistani Muslim-born atheist. Allahu Akbar. The hatred they have for Islam, anything that looks like Islam, mm, any person who, anything. And it's not just, well, hate. Dari Mulvi Wallace to the hate Nafrat. They hate masjids. They don't like to see masjids. So really, I've witnessed with my own eyes this thing. Yusudduna ansabilillah. They're not quietist atheists. They're not pacifist atheists. They want to stop people from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They want to stop people from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they want to make it appear as if the path that leads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is crooked. Right? That's crooked. Allahu Akbar. Indeed, these people are in far, far have they gone. They've strayed far from the mark. They're in an extremely way they're far and astray and misguided. And Al-Tal says, we have not sent down any prophet before illa except that he spoke in the language of his people. Now this means, number one, literally, that they spoke in the language, so obviously the Bikism is bringing Quran and Arabiya and speaking in Arabic, but it also means they spoke in the way that those people would be able to understand. Allah Ta'ala sent every Nabi that they had munasfat with the Ummah. So that's also nothing to say, we don't have munasfat with him. There was always munasfat. They rejected, they reject prophets and they reject Allah Subhanahu wa purely out of stubbornness. So that that Nabi may make clear to them. What does it mean? So one is to recite the verses of Revelation. This is called tabiyin, bayan, bayan quran So they can explain to them in a way that they understand because they understand and they have munasfat with those people. However, Allah Subhanahu leaves to stray further whomsoever He wills, and He guides whomsoever He wills, Azizul Hakim. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu is Almighty, All Wise. And indeed, we send Sayyidina Musa Islam with the verses of our revelation and also with many of our signs so that he may take out his community from the darknesses of oppression, from the injustices of the tyrants into Nur. 
Okay, another thing they mentioned about lisan ekomhi is that another feature of lisan and ekom is that it's easy to pronounce, right? Now, the beautiful thing about this is that the kom of the Qur'an is entire insan. So although a person who has not studied tajweed in the beginning, it may seem difficult, but Allah Ta'ala has actually made every human being's tongue and vocal facilities in such a way that if they wish to train themselves, every human being will be able to pronounce the Qur'an al-Karim, Right? Every human being will be able to learn how to pronounce the Qur'an al-Karim properly and according to uh, what we call the makharij. Okay. So Sayyidina Musa Islam came, number one, to take out his community from the darknesses and oppression to nul. وَذَكِّرْهُمْ And he came to admonish that same community and to remind them of ayamillah. Literally, ayamillah means the days of Allah SWT. Now what does that mean? All days belong to Allah SWT. Ayam Allah here means that the changing days, the changing tides, that all days fall under all days and zamanas and ages and historical periods and historical tides and twists and turns, all of that belongs to Allah SWT. He does it howsoever He wills. And elsewhere Allah Ta'ala, we've done this before in Dora, has explained that it's His will that not everybody will be guided. It's His will. Because the name of that place where everybody is on guidance and where everybody is good and everybody is peaceful, that's another world. That's called Jannah. That's another world. And obviously there will be no ibtilan, imtihan in such a world like that. This world is a world that is supposed to be a world of ibtilan, imtihan to test people, to shake them up, to put different circumstances on them, to put different days on them, right? And specifically for the Bani Israel was that once they were taken out from the Zulamah to the Nur, they were supposed to reflect and look at those days in which we were suffering under this injustice. And now, mashallah Allah sent us a Nabi, Sayyidina Musa al-Islam, and he's taken, he's freed us from Fir'aun, and they should have believed in him, right? They should have been most ashik of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right. Inna fi dhalika indeed, and all of this are signs for each and every sabbar in shakur. Now here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used what we call a sammabalaga. Not sabir, but sabbar. You know, like you see in Allah ta'ala's name, ghaffar, right? So sabbar. Means that who is going to get now, which, let me, this is something you will easily be able to understand. Who is going to be able to realize that all of the days belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of the difficulties and afflictions and tests that He sends are from His will and decree and who would be able to take that as an ayah, as a sign that would lead him or her close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Only a person who has a lot of sabr, who is sabbar, who has a lot of sabr. Most people who don't have sabr, who have a little bit of sabr, don't have sabr, they will react reactively to whatever happens. They won't reflect that this is happening due to the will of Allah. People who have a little bit of sabr, so they may not react rashly, but they won't be able, still won't be able to be so profound to realize as all of this is happening from the will of Allah. Only a person who is sabbar, who has extreme fortitude and patience and endurance, that person will realize that all these difficult times and changing tides and changing conditions, they are actually signs of the existence of Allah SWT. 
they will be able to find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in signs that lead their, connect their heart to Him in the adversity and difficulty they face in this world. This is what in our mashaykh of the Sawf they call this the jilliyate af'aliyya. What does it mean? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is hakiki. He is the real doer. Everything that is happening, this is what it means. That all the ayam belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the real doer. And therefore what you would see if you ever spend time with the real awliya or read about their lives, everything that would happen, they would use it as a means to connect themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They saw the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every single even adverse and difficult circumstance that came upon them. And number two, shakur. Shakur is another intense way. Like there's also al-ghafur, right? Al-far-ghafur, these are both intense forms. So shakur is another intense, grammatically intense and conjugal form, right? As opposed to shakir, which is just thankful. Shakur means the person who is extremely grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, extremely appreciative and thankful of all the bounties and blessings Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. And you will find this as a common theme in Quran, sabr, shukr, sabr, shukr, sabr, shukr. And the level that we have to have it, if we want to be at such a level of zikrullah, that we are able to remember Allah and discover Allah, even in times of difficulty, even in adversity, even in the changing conditions, is we have to become sambar and shakur. So remember now that, just like we said, that when we see the attributes of kuffar, we should try to stay away from them. Also one major thing in Quran is to look at what I oftentimes tell you, what I call sifat mu'minana in Urdu, or sifat mu'minin that Allah has mentioned in Quran, and try to get them. So our feeling in our heart should be, Allah Ta'ala, I want to be sabbat. I want to be shakur. Show me that way. Put me into that process. Connect me to that program that is going to put such a level of sabr and shukr in me. Right? Okay. With Qala Musa al-Islam, with when Sayyidina Musa al-Islam said to his qawm, Uthkuru ni'matullahi alaykum, that you should remember and reflect on all of the blessings that Allah Ta'ala sent down upon you, which one in particular, id anjaakum min ali fir'awna, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved you, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved you from the ali fir'awn. So this is referring to the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in taking them uh, through the Red Sea and delivering them from the people of fir'awn. And who were those people? Yusumunakum su al adab. They were afflicting you with a terrible punishment. They were causing you a terrible grief. abnaakum, and they were slaughtering your male children, committing male infanticide. nisaakum, and they were literally means they were letting your women, uh, they were letting your women live, right? They were leaving your women alive, but without any men. This I we did for you before, right? That bala can either mean test or it can mean ni'mat. So it can either mean that in this there was a tremendous test upon you from your Lord, but it can also mean that if you take it the other way, and both meanings are there, that it was also tremendous bounty on your Lord that He took you out from this tyrannical thing of Sayyidina, or this tyrannical rule of Fir'aun. <laughs> Alright. Because we've done the story of Sayyidina Musa Islam with you earlier, we may try to pick up some speed. Unless there's anything specific that is new here. So now what I'm going to do is verses number 7 onwards. Again, this is Surah Ibrahim. Okay. And remember that time that when your Rabb called out that if you are grateful, if you are grateful, then that if you are grateful, then indeed I will increase you in those bounties that I have sent upon you. However, if you are ungrateful, then know that indeed my punishment is extremely severe. 
This is a very famous ayah of Quran Karim, La in shakartum la azidan nukum. This is showing us also a practical benefit for doing shukr. And what is that practical benefit? The benefit means that if you're grateful for something, that Allah Ta'ala will give you more of it. More of it. So it means that especially we should have this attribute for deen. People normally have this attribute for dunya. And they get excited, they say, Oh, if I'm grateful for my dunya, Allah will give me more. If I'm grateful for the money He gave me, He'll give me more. That's there. But we should actually use this ayah for our deen. If ever once you happen to have a moment of taqwa, you're able to protect yourselves from sin, at that point you say, Alhamdulillah, shukrillah, that all hamd and shukr belongs to Allah. If you do shukr for any moment of taqwa, Allah will give you hours of taqwa. If you do shukr for any fajr or anything you were able to accomplish, you were to pray, then Allah will give you more. So in the month of Ramadan, we should do shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He has given all of us a heightened sense of taqwa, a heightened awareness of Him, a heightened level of zikr. So if we do shukr of that, then Allah Ta'ala can give us more la'azid and nukum. Interesting, however, here when Allah says, la'in kafartum, na kafartum, literally kafir means, kufr means to deny. If you deny the blessings, it also has been used for disbelief because it means to deny the existence of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Inna adhabi lashadid. It means that Allah Ta'ala's punishment will be intense. So the notion here in the Arabic is that one type of kufr leads to a second type of kufr. What does it mean? Denying the bounties and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by failing to be thankful and grateful and appreciative for them and by failing to use them according to his ahkam leads a person dangerously close to another type of kufr which means denying Allah ta'ala himself. And you find this even in Urdu the way you talk to people that if there's a father and he feels his son isn't being respectful they say, Kya amujib baap ne Means are you you're doing kufr of me as you you disbelieve that I'm you don't view me as your father, you're denying that I'm your father. Actually, he was denying something that his father was doing, right? But denial of something leads to denial of that being itself. Waqala Musa, so Sayyidina Musa said that in takfuru antum waman fil ardi jami'a that look even if you and everyone on earth was to either disbelieve or to deny and reject the bounties of Allah, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَغْنِيٌ hamid That it wouldn't make any difference in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indeed a ghani. He's all independent, all sufficient. Hamidun, He is still uniquely worthy of praise. Whether you do His hamd or not, you do His shukr or not, He is all independent, has no need of your shukr. And even if you don't do it, He is still all shukr belongs to Him. Whether you do it or not, all hamd and shukr belongs to him. Anyway, Alam Yatukum Nabauladina min kablikum. And has not uh, initially it means Sayyidina Muslim some tell the people, but it also means for us that has not the events and the stories of all of those who came before you has that not reached you. For example, Qomi Nuhim wa Adin Muthamud, the communities in of Sayyidina Nul Islam, of Sayyidina Adl Islam and Sayyidina Nul Islam, the people of Ad and the people of Thamud and the people who came after them, such as maybe Ibrahim such as Lut that they don't know except uh, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the communities that came after them and nobody knows, not just they, not just they, but nobody knows about them except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It means that there are countless other communities and prophets that have come and gone, and even we don't know about them, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about who they are. Ja'athum rusuluhum bil bayinat, and all of their prophets came to these Bani Israel with clear signs 
But what did these people respond? They literally means they stuck their hands in their mouths. It literally means that they placed their hands in their mouths. But what it means is that it basically means that they tried to silence them. This is another way you can say it, that they tried to place their hands on their mouths. They tried to silence them. They tried to keep them quiet. How is he translated it over here? Yeah, so they put their hands into their mouths. There are two ways you could translate it here. Okay, they put their hands into their own mouths, right? So he, Muttitakasav, has taken to put their hands into their own mouths to indicate their extreme aversion to the message. It can also mean that they put their hands onto their mouths. They used to try to silence the Anbiya, right? And ultimately then that also led to killing them that also led to their Qatal of the Anbiya. To different... Ulama have translated this in two different ways, right? Okay. And what would they say, right? Wakalu, uh, when they would say, Inna kafarna bima or siltum, indeed we absolutely outright, openly on your face, we say that we disbelieve in everything that you 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 have been sent with. Bihiwa inna lafi shakim mimma tadunana, and we are in extreme doubt concerning that which you are calling us to. Murib, and we are in extreme confusing doubt in that which you are calling us to. Called Rasulullahum, so all of the prophets who came to them, what did they say to them? Afillahi shakun, that can there be any doubt about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Fatir samawati wal ard, that being who originally created and brought into existence all of the realms that lie above in this earth. Yadu'ukum, the yagfiralukum. Then they said, you should, you should, you know, they were saying that they should, uh, make dua, all of these things, uh, make dua, the yagfiralukum min dunubikum. So that they may become, they may be forgiven from all of the sins that they do. Right? So that you may be forgiven for all of the sins that you do. Sorry, Yadu'ukum, Allah Ta'ala calls you, the Yagfirullakum, He has invited you through these books and messengers to Him so that He may forgive you for your sins, and that He may delay, He may delay the matter and let you live if you come on Iman, He will let you live in grace on earth until the appointed hour overcomes you, until your death comes. But they responded to them in antum. They responded to all of them. Responded to all of those anbiya that you were nothing other than illa bashrun mitluna. You are nothing other than human like us. Turiduna antasunduna amma kana yabdu abana. That is it your wish, all of you, that you wish to stop us from worshiping all of those things that our forefathers used to worship. Fatuna bisultanum mubin. And if this is your wish, then you should bring us some clear proof. Bring us some clear evidence. To all of the prophets who were sent to them, responded to them, Indeed, we are nothing other than human beings the like of yourselves. Indeed, true. We are men. We are humans like you are. However, Allah subhanahu sends His special grace and honor and favor. It means This manat means nubuwat. Sends and favors with nubuwat. Whomsoever he wants, min ibadihi from his servants and slaves. And it does not behoove us, it does not befit us, it is not possible for us to bring you any proof illa bi'idhnillah except by the will and wish and decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone to all of the believers uh, trust and rely and depend on exclusively.
So him and then those disbelievers, they further said <coughs> to their prophets, <coughs> yeah, they further said to their prophets that uh, we're going to expel you and banish you and exile you from our lands. Oh, or what we would do, milatina. Or unless, it means or, but it means or you have the choice, and either we expel you and banish you from lands, or you return to our millat, you return to our way, our culture, you return to our deen. فَأَوْهَا إِلَيْهِمْ رَبَّهُمْ So then their Rabb means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent wahi to all of those anbiya, لَنُحْلِكَنَّ الظَّالِمِينَ That know that indeed, indeed, I'm going to destroy these evildoers. So don't worry. There's threat for you that they will expel you and banish you. You don't have to worry about that because we are going to destroy you. We're going to destroy them. We're going to destroy those wrongdoers and sinners. And then we are going to bestow or leave you to dwell in these lands after them. We are going to leave you and uh, we will let you and leave you to dwell in these lands after them. And this will be for each and every such person who fears my maqam and who also fears a punishment. Right? So, initially here, man khafa maqami, this is referring number one to the anbiya. So who are the anbiya? They are the ones who fear the maqam of their rab. They are the ones who fear the status and stature and grandeur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then by extension, everyone who is a rightful follower in them will also fear the maqam of the rab. Wa khafa wa'id, then they also fear the punishment and they feel the warnings that come to them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. وَاسْتَفْتَهُ وَخَابَ كُلُّ جَبَّارٍ جَبَّارٍ and جَبَّارٍ عَنِيدٍ Here Allah SWT is saying, okay, now what did they do? They're, the unbelievers, they sought, they asked Allah SWT to decide. What does that mean? That means they sought Allah SWT to send His decree. They left the matter to Allah SWT when they used to tell these anbiya that bring that promised punishment on if that is indeed what has been promised. Bring the promised punishment on if indeed that has been promised. And then Allah SWT says that every obstinate tyrant, every stubborn and obstinate tyrant has always failed. Every obstinate stubborn tyrant has always failed. What's going to happen? Jahannam, the fire of Jahannam is in pursuit of each and every single such obstinate tyrant. وَخَابَ كُلُّ جَبَارٌ So khaba means they failed utterly each and every single tyrannical obstinate ruler. مِنْ وَرَائِهِ جَهَنَّمْ And the fire of Jahannam is creeping up after them. وَيُسْكَى مِنْ مَاءٍ سَدِيدٍ And they will be given foul water or boiling foul water or foul liquid. You can say a foul liquid. Literally ma is water. So they'll be given a foul water. Sadid here means foul means some type of najasat, some type of impure. By foulness we mean some type of pure water that will be given to them to drink. Okay, let's stop here for a moment on verse 16. Now, all of these punishments uh, came on all of these people. And then in a hadith, Sayyidina mentions what this foul drink is. So, Nabi uh, specifically on this verse, the Prophet said in a hadith that that foul drink that they will be given will be pus. And they will be given pus to drink and they will drink it in sips. Now when that, when the, when the cup, when the drink of pus will be brought close to the mouth of the person of Jahannam, he will be repulsed by it. 
he will try to avert himself from it. Then when it's brought even closer, it will be so hot that this heat and the steam of that pus will scorch and burn his face. Just the heat of it will scorch and burn his face such that the skin of his face will fall off. When he drinks it, it will be so hot that his entire innards or intestines or entrails will be melted away from drinking it. Allahu Akbar. This is, and exactly on this ayah, exactly on this ayah of Surah Ibrahim, the Bhikkhsim commented and explained to Sahabakram what the meaning of this uh, is, ma'in sadeed, what does it mean to have ma'in sadeed. So therefore some translators actually translate it as pus, but literally it means some foul, impure water liquid, but in the hadith the explanation has been given. Right? So this is an intense uh, one. So you're starting now, and I mentioned to you as the Quran proceeds, you will be seeing some specific mentions of specific of the punishments that exist in Jahannam. Alright, let's go back here on verse number uh, 17. So here then, Allah subhanahu is saying also in Quran that he will drink it in sips, but it will not be able to go down, he will not be able to swallow it down his throat. And then death, malt, death will come upon him from each and every side that he is on, yet he will not die. What does that mean? That he will be drinking things that should make him, it should be enough, this should be enough to make a person die, that your face is scorched off. This should be enough to make a person die, that all of your innards and intestines and entrails are melted. So death will overcome him, death will overtake him, death will afflict him from all sides. Things that would otherwise have been causes of death will happen to him, but he won't die. This is one of the most intense punishments of Jannah. That things that are so strong enough to kill you, happen to you, but you don't die. And then they just keep happening over and over and over and over again. Allahu Akbar. Can you imagine? Ajeeb. This is what Allah says saying in Quran. So death will come upon him from every side means asbab of most things that would be sufficient to put him to death will afflict him over and over again but still he will be undying. And even and then after him, after that, after that each and every death comes, what's going to happen? Then even further lying ahead will be an even more intense ghaliz and even more intense punishment will be lying further ahead. Verses 18 and onwards. Mathal ladina kafaru, the example and likeness of those who disbelieve. Birabbihim, and they disbelieve in their Rabb. That's what the likeness of a'maluhum, the likeness of their actions, of those who disbelieve in their Rabb. Karamadinistadhat bihir rihu, fi yomin asif. This, it gave you an example as before. It's like ashes blown away by wind on a stormy day. It means they are scattered and they come to naught. Their wujudans, their ashes blown away by wind on a stormy day. They will not be able in any way, they have no la yakdiruna mimma kasabu ala shay. That all of the things that they did, they will have no power, no ability, no control over anything that they did. Means all of their deeds, they will have no control, no ability to retain them, no ability to present them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will just be scattered away like ashes on a stormy day. And indeed, this is the most intensely wide and deviant form of going astray. Alam tara anna Allah khalaqa samawati wal ard bil haqq and do you not see that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created all the realms that lie above on this earth bil haqq with absolute truth and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
إِنْ يَشَا يُذْهِبْكُمْ وَيَأْتِ بِخَلْقٍ جَدِيدٍ If Allah Ta'ala wants, He could take you away and discard you and bring in your place an entire new creation. وَمَا ذَارَكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَزِيزٍ And indeed this is not in the slightest of ways difficult on Allah Subh'anaHu Wa at all. وَبَرَزُوا لِلَّهِ جَمِيعًا And know that every single thing uh, will enter or will enter the presence of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala in entirety or jami'ah all together. Right? All of you shall appear in front of Allah together. Then this we did before as well, that those who were the, either the weak ones or the followers will say either to the strong ones or the leaders of disbelief that we were nothing other than your followers. So how is it that, you know, can you in some way avert Allah Ta'ala's punishment from us? Can you pr- protect us in any way? Can you relieve us in any way? So what will they say? They will respond to them that, uh, That if Allah Ta'ala had given us hidayah, we would have given hidayah to you. That it makes no difference to us whatsoever, whatsoever, whether we... أَخَزِعْنَا أَمْ سَبَرْنَا Whether we... خَزِعْنَا mm, means whether we embrace our humiliation. That's how I would put it. أَمْ سَبَرْنَا Or if we were to have sabr. مَالَنَا مِنْ مَحِيسِ Indeed, there is no way out. We have no escape from uh, this punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean? It means that when they're in... Uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to say is that in Jahannam, sabr will not be of any avail to any person. Once they're in the fire of Jahannam, it will mean nothing to them. There is no sabr that they can have. Alright, whether they, in, whether they, another way you can say this, I said, they fall in disgrace, it can also mean whether we rage and rail against this, whether we fight this azal, whether we fight it, we scream at it, we rage against it, we rail against it, or if we just passionately let it overcome us, it, either way it makes no difference to us. So what Allah SWT is mentioning is that normally when a person is afflicted with some difficulty, they fight back, right? Let's say, you know, a rock falls on someone, they try to push it back, right? They try to keep it away. He, this, what, this is really what the meaning is here. That if we stave it off, whether we try to stave it off or repel it or rage against it or protect ourselves from it, or whether we try to bear it with sabr and try to endure it, either way it's the same difference to us. It makes no difference. It will not help us in any way. Same difference would mean either way will be no difference to us. Why? We have nothing that can save us. We have no escape. This punishment will be unrelenting. We cannot lessen it by enduring it. We will not be able to lessen it by raging against it. We will not be able to lessen it by staving it off. There's nothing we can do to even lessen it in the slightest of ways. That's, I mean, a lot of English words, but I wanted you to understand what those, what Allah SWT is trying to say here in these two things. وَقَالَ shaytanu. Now watch. When she, what will shaitan say? Ajeeb. Shaitan is going to get, when everything, لَمَّا كُذِيَ amru, When all matters and everything has been decided, what will shaitan say? إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَعَدَكُمْ وَوَعَدَ الْحَقِّ وَوَعَدْتُكُمْ that shaitan will say, indeed, Allah Ta'ala made a true promise to you. Which was what? That you will have to face this punishment if you disbelieve in Him. And He says, I also used to make promises to you. But I used to break my promises. 
the promises I made to you were broken. I mean, I promise you, you should do this and you will prosper and go for this thing in dunya and you will get this and you will get this. And I used to keep convincing you, right? As if your khair, I used to insinuate and whisper to you as your well-wisher, as a nasir, as if your khair lie in this. But I breached all my promises. And then he will say to them, وَمَا كَانَ لِي عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ سُلْطَانِ And no, I had no authority over you. I had no mastery over you, no power over you. I had no sultanate over you. Except that I used to simply invite you. Simply invited you to this disbelief and simply invited you to sin. I just invited you to it. فَاسْتَجَبْتُمْ لِي And you used to respond to my invitation. This is what Shaykh was saying yesterday. Remember as a son, I just used to invite you and you responded to me. You're yourself to blame, right? You have only yourself to blame. Right? So what does he say? Allah Akbar. He's going to say to them, right there when everything is decided, it's this cunningness of shaitan. Really, ajeeb cheez Allah Ta'ala has given him muhlat all the way till the end. When all of human hisab is done, and now all the humans are either in Jannat or Jahannam, when it's all done at that moment, shaitan will speak up. But God, when it's all done, what's going to happen to him? You know, when Allah Ta'ala is going to be all done with everyone, then Allah Ta'ala is going to turn to him. But right till the end, shaitan such evil. You would think that when shaitan sees people going into Jahannam, and he knows he's destined for that same Jahannam, he should start getting scared at this moment. You would think that he's been given muhlat until yom, until that day. He's on that day. He knows this is my last day, my time is expiring. And he's seeing that Jahannam. He's still unrelenting, un- why? Because actually shaitan, you can under, maybe you should understand, he's crazy. He's gone crazy with his hasad and hatred for Bani Adam. So even though he should have some hosh, that my molas has ended, this is my last day, and I'm also going to go in the same jahannam, but he has so much enmity over them, he's going to be gloating over them. He's going to take his enmity right till the end. So then, so it says, it's not done yet. So then what does he say? He says, فَلَا تُلُومُونِي Don't blame me at all. Because some people may be saying, Oh, that shaitan, he got us, there he is, there's that Iblis. But what? وَلُومُ أَنفُسُكُمْ This is the ultimate, ultimate. This ayah is the ultimate last gloating of shaitan in future time. وَلُومُ أَنفُسُكُمْ Blame your own selves. Blame your own selves. مَا أَنَا بِمُسْرِخِكُمْ I did not force you to do anything. I did not force you to do anything. وَمَا أَنْتُمْ These translators that have not been a... I cannot help you in any way. Right? And you will not be able to help me in any way. Right? This is also interesting. He also knows. Right? Ajeeb. I cannot help you in any way. And you won't be able to help me in any way. إِنِّي Indeed, I am, it literally means that I deny or disbelieve, بِمَا أَشَّكْتُمُونِي مِنْ قَبْلُ That all of the things that you uh, used to do shirk with, right, he's absor- absolving himself of the shirk. Because to be, I'm not saying to be fair, but to be whatever, accurate, let's put it way to shaitan. Shaitan's not guilty of shirk, right? Shaitan doesn't believe in the name of the God. He's completely monotheistic. Completely. Right? So what does shaitan say here? He says here that I, dis- I disown and I absolve myself when you used to associate me as a partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala min kablu before this day of judgment. 
And indeed there will be, and here again there's disagreement in the commentaries, is this the continuation of shaitan's makula, or does, where does the end quote happen? You could end quote here, that I absolve myself from all uh, that you used to ascribe to me and associate me, and some of you even worship. It's suggesting, it's called Satan worship. What does he mean here? Does it mean, he doesn't say you just subject to me, but you used to listen to me. This is what shaitan, this is the shirk shaitan is referring to. You're making that clear. He's not referring to isolated pockets of Satan worshippers in the world. Even shaitan is calling it shirk, that you listen to me instead of listening to Allah. Allah invited you, Wallahu yadu illa dar salam. And I also invited you, he used the same word here, that I used to just invite you, da'autukum. You listen to me instead of listening to Allah, that means that's shirk. You associated me and ascribed to me that maqam that only befits Allah, the maqam of your, mm, you know, the, the being that you should listen to and obey. And so I absolve myself of that. I'm buried of that. I exonerate myself of that. Either the quote ends there, and then Allah Ta'ala then says in third person statement, إِنَّ, uh, إِنَّ ظَالِمِينَ That indeed for the wrongdoers and the sinfuls, it will be intentionally painful punishment. And some feel know that the whole eye is the quote of shaitan. So Mufti Takrisav has translated that way, that you extend the quote, and then he himself says, this is his final, now it's like, now he, he's done his job. His life's mission is completed, that he got some humanity into Jahannam. And he's gloating over them, and now he knows, right, that now is the end of the line for me. And he says, alim, That indeed for all of the wrongful, uh, sinful, sinful wrongdoers is going to be a painful punishment. Alright. So this ayah, you know a person should remember this. Verse number 22, Surah Ibrahim, Surah 14, verse 22. That this is what shaitan is going to say to any person who did any sin on the Day of Judgment. Okay. And indeed Allah Ta'ala says that those who believe in those who righteous works will be entered into gardens underneath which rivers will flow. They will, dry, they will dwell therein with the decree and permission and order of their Rabb. And their greeting in those gardens of Jannah will be salam. That Allah Ta'ala will say salam to them. It's coming and we did that actually in Surah Yunus, Surah 10 where Allah Ta'ala will... Uh, greet them with salam. And their final call was Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Alam tala kayfa zaraballahu mathalan kalimatan tayyibatan that you not see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the example of kalimata tayyiba means uh, a pure word, a noble word is like what? It's like a pure tree. Kashajratan tayyiba right? This is also your shajra tayyiba. Kashajratan tayyiba it means a good word is like a good tree. Asluhu thabitun wa fadu'uha fissamai. That the roots of which are firm and the branches of which, literally fadu'uha means extensions of which, but for the tree, the extensions mean its branches and leaves extend and reach into the sky. Tu'ti ukalaha kullahin bi'idhani rabbiha. And it bears fruit every season. Kullihin can mean every season, it can also mean at all times. It bears fruit in every season or at all times with the permission and decree and order of its Rabb. Alright. So Allah Ta'ala sets forth such lessons for people so that they may reflect la'allahum yatadhakkaroon. So what does it mean? So if you say a good word, so the ultimate word here, what is the kalimat tayyibah? It means number one, kalima. 
Right, that's the first thing. So it means that that Kalimatutayba has firm, firm roots. Why? Because the roots are set firm, because the roots came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? But what are the fruits of that that are supposed to extend to the Those are A'mal salih So that a person, another way it's taken that it has firm roots because it resides in a person's kalb. And the kalb is part of the ruh. And the ruh has been around for millions of years and the ruh is going to also be eternal along with the body. But its pal, its branches which it reach into the sky and its extensions means a'mal salih That a person does good deeds. Another way it can be understood as well is that the kalimat tayyiba, the kalimat self, and all of the pure speech and teachings of deen have their roots firmly established in the Quran and Sunnah. But if you live by them, then they will have, they will extend their branches and their fruits in the sense that you will have uh, bounties in this world. And also it will be sadaqah jariyah, that those uh, people who live after you will benefit from the noble words that you spoke or left. And it also means that the branches extend into the sky. This samai can also mean that they extend, they will extend and bring a person up into Jannah. Alright. Second example is the opposite. And so what is the example of an evil, foul, impure, corrupt words? Kashajaratin khabitha is like that of a foul, corrupt, rotted tree. And what is the nature of that tree that is uprooted from the ground? So because it's rotted, you, you dig it up, and it doesn't have any stability. It doesn't have any firm roots, right? So what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying here? This is the concept that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to make batil, make haq established, and to remove batal. It will be removed from the ground. It may float around on the surface. It may still have a superficial existence, but it doesn't have permanence. It doesn't have firmness. So then what does Allah subhanahu wa giving this example, what does he say? يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِالْقَوْلِ thabit. So Allah subhanahu wa means He's going to make thabit. Allah is going to make the believers firm and steadfast. How? بِالْقَوْلِ thabit By means of a strong, steadfast word. Again, this called the Thabit, number one, refers to Kalima itself. This Kalima of La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. It's going to make them steadfast by this. And how, where? Fil hayat dunya in this world. Wa fil akhirah, also in the akhirah. Wa yadillallahu al-dhalimeen. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send the oppressors and make them go astray. Wa yaf'alallahu ma yasha. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do whatsoever He pleases. Alright. So this is some ayat that are mentioning the fazilat and the kalima. There are many, many hadith, I'm going to skip them, but there are many, many, many ahadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam that mention uh, the fazail of the kalima, the power of the kalima, right? Even saying the kalima with your tongue, but when you believe it in your heart, saying kalima to la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah in such a state that you believe it in your heart, even just saying that once with true belief that itself may be a means by which Allah subhanahu may admit any person into Jannah. I will just mention one hadith because there's an important point to show in that. So Sayyidina Barar narrates that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that when the Muslim is questioned in the grave, they will testify, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Right? So that's another thing that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned, referring to here in this ayah, 
that Allah Ta'ala will make them sabit in their grave when they will be asked by Munkar and Nakir, they will mention, they will respond that who is their Rabb, they will say La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, and then that kalima can save them from the punishment of the grave. By the way, there's some people who deny punishment of the grave. This is another thing that some modernists have come up with, that there's no such thing as punishment in the grave. So it's coming, but it's not going to come this year, so I'm just going to tell you where it is. Surah Ghafir, Surah number 40, verse number 46. There Allah Ta'ala makes it clear that the people who are in the graves, that they will, there's one type of punishment. So Azab of Qabr is mentioned, if nothing else in this uh so Ghafir is also known as Surah Al-Mu'min and this is Surah 40, verse number 46. Maybe I'll just do that with you today actually. Okay, so here it is. Annaru yu'rathuna alayha ghuduban wa ashiyya That the fire of Jahannam will be presented in front of them, will be presented in front of them when they're in their grave. Will be presented in front of them every morning and every evening. And then, when the Day of Judgment takes place, then they will be told, That, O Allah Fir'aun, you should enter into the worst of punishments. So Allah is mentioning that the Allah Fir'aun, after they were drowned, right, this is the previous verses, but this is the whole incident, that they are going to be Ashabun Nar, and what happens to them? So every day in the grave, Jahannam is presented to them morning and evening. Okay? And by presenting before them, it doesn't mean that they're presented in a way that they're immune from its heat. It means that they're presented before it in a way that they will be punished. All right? There's one thing we had to mention over here about Asami Kumar. Okay, 28. Verse number, verses number 28 onward. Have you not, do you not gaze and wonder or not, are you not amazed and astonished at those people who have chosen to take Kufra, either in gratitude or even outright disbelief, in exchange for the ni'mat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَأَحَلُّوا قَوْمَهُمْ دَارُ الْبَوَارِ And what they have done is they have basically mm, caused their people to imbar- disembark at a land of total destruction. Right? Okay, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to the uh, Mushrikeen of Makkah Makarma. And He's saying that even though Allah Ta'ala sent Sayyidina to them, even then they were ungrateful and they forced Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu out of town. So here Allah Ta'ala is saying is that by sending the Prophet out of town, you have done nothing other than sent your own self to the home of destruction. The home of destruction means Jahannama, the fire of Jahannam. Yaslonaha wa bi'sal qarar, that indeed this is a place that they will enter. Yaslonaha, uh, they will be made to enter into it. al-Karar, and is the worst place to be. It is an evil place to dwell. All right. Why is this? Because wajalulillahi andadan. So they set a partners to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. They yudillu ansabilihi, and they did that so that they could lead people away from the path of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Cool. So it will be said to the, some a caller will call to them, "Tamattau fa inna masirukum ilanar." That okay, what you should do, you can enjoy for a while on this earth, but know that your ultimate destination will be the fire of Jahannam. 
that, O my beloved messenger, say to my ibad, those ibad of mine who believe and who regularly and firmly establish the prayer, tell my ibad who believe that they should regularly and firmly establish the prayer and that they should spend from that wealth which we have sent down upon them secretly and openly before before such a day will come to them, la bayun fihi wala khilal, and on that day there will be no more bartering, no more trade, no more transactions. There will be no more transactions on that day, and nor will there be any friendship on that day. Allah being who created all of the realms that lie above and the earth, and sent down from the skies water so that he may Cause to grow by means of that water all types of fruit, but it means all the produce and crops and all produce from the earth. This can look as a means of sustenance for you. And Allah SWT has subjugated for you. Ships means Allah Ta'ala has literally by subjugated it means that Allah Ta'ala has made you a master over wood such that you can build a ship and has made you a master over engineering in such a way that you can sail over those oceans and has made you a master of navigating and sails such that you can turn and move those ships in whatever direction that you want. Why? So that you may sail the seas bi'amrihi according to his decree and his wish and command for you. And just like that, وَسَخَرَلُكُمْ anhar And Allah has made the river subjugated for you. Means in this sense that you can divert them, you can build your dams on them, you can harness the power that Allah Ta'ala, natural power that Allah Ta'ala has placed and they're flowing into hydroelectric power and use that for your own electricity, for your own purposes. Subjugated means that He has given you a power and a mastery over them to control and to use the sarruf, to make use of them how you wish. And just like that, now this is during Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said that وَسَقْرَلُكُمْ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ Allah Ta'ala has subjugated the sun and moon for you and such that da ibani and the two of them are constantly moving. Wasakhar lukum al-layla wa nahar and he has also subjugated the night the, the the night and the day for you. I'll explain what this means in a moment. Watakum min kullima sa'altumuhu and Allah Ta'ala grants whatever you ask him for. وَأَتَاكُمْ مِنْ كُلِّ مَا سَأَلْتُمُهُ And Allah Ta'ala granted to you whatever it was that you asked of Him. وَإِن تُؤُنْدُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ And if you were trying to enumerate and count up all the bounties and blessings that Allah Ta'ala sent upon you, لَا تُحْسُوهَا You would never be able to enumerate them, you would never be able to count them. إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَذَلُومٌ كَفَارٌ That indeed, insan, humanity, is the loom, is extremely unjust, Kafar is extremely ungrateful. It's extremely unjust and extremely ungrateful. What does unjust mean? Unjust means that they use and abuse. They use and abuse the bounties and blessings that Allah SWT has given them. Second meaning of unjust means that they use uh, the bounties and blessings that Allah SWT has given them as sins. They sin against Allah SWT. And kafar means they're extremely ungrateful. What does that mean? That they think that these bounties and blessings are their own. They don't view them as something that was gifted and bestowed by Allah SWT. They think it was their own. They don't view them as wahhabi. They think of them as kasbi. They don't think that they were bestowed by Allah, but they are things that they earned and attained from their own efforts and their own intelligence and their own hard work and effort. And therefore they think as a result, they're free to do with those bounties and blessings whatever they want. Okay. First thing I want to comment on, first we said that on the Day of Judgment there will be no transactions nor will there be any friendship. Alright. No transactions means that there will be no chance now for anybody to do anything. There will be no chance now for anybody to do anything. 
Second, it also meant, literally, la bay'un, that there is no trade, sale, commerce on that day. Right? So it means that even if you, the dunya, all matters of dunya will come to an end. It's a kanai, it's a way of showing that worldly relations and worldly transactions will come to an end on that day. No friends. So in Surah Zukhra, Surah 43, verse 67, there Allah has said a very important thing, that especially for the youth, we want to highlight this, star it, bold it, outline it, Right? So what does Allah subhanahu say here? Surah Zukhra, Surah 43, verse number, 40, uh, verse number 67. Verse number 67. Al-akhillau. Akhilla, you had another word here, khilal, right? Those of you who are good in sarf, that's why I made you learn that, Jamal. Where's my first batch? Gohene, Imran, Kuch Tasma. I made you learn that, remember? Do you remember that? Ah. Achilla this is a different one. I know this is this is Adribao, but this is Mudafith Allah. This was this I didn't make you do. This is Amiddao. This is Maddayu Mudus Isam Fayam. That's a tongue twister. Achillau, so your friends. Al Achillau. Maybe you can understand this now. Let me put it to you in a word you understand. Your khalils. Those who didn't know the Arabic, sarf, now you know what this is. Now I've explained to you. It's a plural of khalil. Your khalils, your intimate friends. Each will be enemy of the other except from the people of taqwa. Idiomatic English translation Dear friends will be enemies to one another on that day. Yomayidin on that means the judgment. Dear friends will be enemies to one another on that day. Illal muttaqeen except the people of taqwa. So what does it mean? Who should you make your dear friend? Hmm? Who should you make your dear friend? The muttaqeen. Anybody other than them will be nothing other than an enemy. Enemy to you on the day of judgment. People think, you know, it's Qur'an, Qur'an, Qur'an. Dear friends would be enemies. Dear friends, jiske saath aapki majlis lagti thi. Hmm? Jiske saath aap gappe karte thi. Jiske saath aap cigar peete thi. Hmm? Nahi samjhe. Huh? Sahayat jo yari thi na yari. Ye muttakeen ke yari kaam aayega. Ye nahi ke muttakeen ke alawa yari kaam nahi aayega. Kehne ke muttakeen ke yari ke alawa dushmani or uduwat or hostility ka sabab banega. Allah Akbar. People don't realize, don't realize. So khalil means your dear friend. Does it mean, okay, the colleague you talk to in tea break? It's not talking like that. It means your dear friend. And khalil also refers to voluntary friendships. There are certain associations that a person is placed in due to marriage, due to work, right? You have colleagues at work, you have in-laws, you may have your, you know, your wife's brother's wife's brother, right? So those are circumstances that you didn't choose, right? Khalil is the person who you voluntarily choose to make your dear friend. So the voluntarily dear friends will be enemies each to the other. Each to the other on that day, except for the people of taqwa. Now let's look in our circle of friends. 
right? Another ordinary Pakistani, if he looks in a circle of friends, and if he was honest, ordinary and honest Pakistani, if he looks in a circle of friends and says, this is your list, let's say the wedding, so let's take this is your, okay, this is the guest list for the wedding, okay. Now tick the muttaqeen on that. Get the I'm going to have to, they tell, honey, we have to invite all our dear friends to the wedding, okay. So you and honey made the dear friend list for the wedding, right? Your dear friends and honey's dear friends, take it, all right. Now take that list and take the muttaqeen. What does it mean? It means on that day the muttaqeen will be your khalil. That's what it's saying. If you made somebody from the muttaqeen your khalil in this world, all the non-muttaqeens who are khalil in this world will be of no benefit to you on that day. In fact, they will be your enemies on that day. But if there was a muttaqi who you made your khalil in this world, he will be your khalil on that day. Allah hmm? And that's the day, if any day in our life we're going to need a khalil. Hmm? Look at the dost, achha dost hai, wo mera jab, jab mushkil hota hai, wo mera kaam hota hai. I remember the lumskins used to always bring this one to me. That how can I leave them, jib, when I fly in from Karachi, they pick me up from the airport, they're the ones who pack my stuff up. Wohi mera kaam aate hai, Right? That's called Khalil. Jeeb ayat. Really, you should mark it up. Surah Zukhruf. Surah number 43. First number 67. That endear the dear, the dear friends that we made voluntarily on that day. Dear friends will be on that day enemies one to, to one another. Except al-muttaqeen, except the people of taqwa. Alright. Next year, inshallah. We reserve it for next year. So where were we? We were doing what? I stopped in what verse were Ibrahim? Verse 34, I think I stopped at. I stopped at, did I go all the way to 34? Yeh chal Inna al-insana ladhalumun kuffar. Indeed, humanity is extremely ungrateful, or is extremely unjust, and is extremely ungrateful. Alright? Okay. So, we have to move more. Verse 35. And remember that time with Kali Ibrahim, or remember that time with Sayyidina Ibrahim, Rabbi ja'al hadha al-balada aminan, that remember that time when Sayyidina Ibrahim made dua for this city, Makkah Mukarramah, that make the city a city of aman, a city of peace, and security, and sanctity, and tranquility. <coughs> That and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that keep me you know, like you have ijtinab you can think here keep me and my children away away from worshipping idols so this shows right that this is what I told you that Allah is going to show the that you say you're Abrahamic and you're following the Abrahamic way by idol worshipping don't you remember the dua that Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam made he made dua that keep me and dhurati can mean children progeny offspring can also mean spiritual descendants mean all of the Ali Ibrahim keep them from doing any type of shirk and then after making that dua, then Ibrahim Islam, if you will, makes a statement to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbi, O oh my Rabb, inna hunna, indeed these idols that they're referred to in the plural feminine, right, because they're ghezavi yukul, adlalna kathiram min nas that they have misled many, many people from humanity. A large plurality of humanity has been misled by these idols. 
So, فَمَنْ تَبِعَنِي That whosoever will follow me, then فَإِنَّهُ مِنِّي Indeed, they will be from me. They will belong to me. وَمَنْ أَسَانِي And whosoever will disobey me, disobey, and Ibrahim is something like this. Whomsoever disobey me, فَإِنَّكَ غُفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Indeed, then Allah Ta'ala, you are forgiving and you are merciful. Just like Sayyidina Islam, remember? And referring to the people who dis- didn't follow him properly. He didn't say, Allah Ta'ala will send your punishment and wrath on them. He said, Allah Ta'ala, غُفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ You are forgiving and merciful. Right? So it means just like Hazrat Sahib was saying yesterday when he quoted an ayah, that it shows that even a person who doesn't make tawbah could get maghfirah. So here when it says, at least understanding of Sayyidina Rehul Islam with Inna Qafur Rahim, that even if a person who didn't follow him may still be a chance that Allah Ta'ala's mercy and forgiveness will come over them. But this isn't, the, this isn't prescriptive. Me and you want to be from amongst the people, فَمَنْ تَبِعَنِي فَإِنَّهُ مِنِّي what does that mean? That that person who follows the way of Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam, Ibrahim Islam has told Allah SWT that he will be from me. means Ibrahim Islam has told Allah SWT that I will be his khalil on the day of judgment. And if that applies to Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam, it applies to the same thing for Sayyidina Rasulullah Islam. That's why he said in a very famous hadith, مَنْ رَغِبَ أَنْ sunnati, That that person who turns away from my sunnah, فَلَيْسَ minni, That he's not from me. مَنْ رَغِبَ أَنْ سُنَّتِي فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي That person who leaves my sunnah, he's not from me. And that person who follows, فَمَنْ تَبِعَنِي So we can say the same words in Qur'an. And that person who follows me, فَإِنَّهُ مِنِّي He will be from me. He will be from me. So it's our choice. It's our choice. Allah Ta'ala has given us that choice. Just like He's given us a choice to believe or disbelieve in Allah, Allah Ta'ala has given us a choice that we want to follow or not follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah. It's our choice. It's our choice. Alright? Then, then, then Sayyidina Ibrahim sent back to his du'a. She said, Rabbana inni askantu min zurriyati biwadin ghayri zi zar'in. Ghayri zi zar'in. That, oh my Rabb, I have settled my children. And now it literally means, now it literally means children. In such a valley that has no vegetation at all whatsoever. In a barren, infertile, even un, unable to bear any fruit in this valley. Alright? However, what was the good thing about this valley? In the Baytik al-Muharram. But it is near, next to, in the, near and next to the Kaaba, near next to your sacred home. So, Rabbana liyuqimu salata, faj'al af'idatam minan nasi tahwi ilayhim. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why? So that they may establish salah. I've settled them here so that Allah ta'ala, you may make them establish salah. And then make the hearts of people turn towards them. Make the hearts of people turn towards them. And provide وَرْزُقْهُمْ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ And provide for them produce from this earth as sustenance for them so that they may become people who are appreciative and grateful for you. Alright? And here thamarat means literally fruits. Secondly, it means all produce and all edibles. Third thamarat, it means all of the bounties and blessings of this world. And fourth thamarat also means spiritual, spiritual bounties and blessings. Give them the thamara of taqwa, the thamara of haya, the thamara of ikhlas, the thamara of sabr, the thamara of shukr. Send down upon them all of the spiritual blessings as well. Alright. So here's Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam. Why did he settle his children there? One reason he was settling his children there was to save them from shirk. So he took them away from a society of shirk, built, rebuilt this Kaaba as a center of monotheism, right? And he decided that even though in terms of worldly Looking at the world is barren land, right? It's a third world country. 
put it that way. Makkah Makarimah is a third world country. It's Wadan Ghayraziz on it. But he said, it's still better to keep my children here, near to the Kaaba, because I want to keep them away from shirk. Right? So this is why then, right, it's don't underestimate Pakistan and don't be so quick to run away to Dubai and Sharjah or London and New York, right, in terms of permanent settling. You should view that Pakistan is at least a place of Iman. It's a Muslim-majority country, however those Muslims are, however those majorities are. And other than those few incidents I told you, Alhamdulillah, still a place where masajid are free and the adhan is called out, right? Hmm? And Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala even made it the case in that place as well, right? So, uh, you know, this is Ajeeb of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, what the sacrifice he did, right? So the lesson, lesson from this is that for the sake of children, people think the opposite today. For the sake of children, the favorite the Pakistanis love the Canadian and Australian immigration. And I shouldn't tease you. I mean, I was born in America, so I have the passport, right? Maybe if I was born here, I would have felt I may have fallen into the same trap, right? But they say for the kids. So don't say you're doing it for the kids. If you want to do it for the kids, do what Sayyidina Ibrahim Salam said. If you want to move somewhere for the kids, move somewhere where their deen will be stronger. That's what Islam says. If you want to do something for the kids. And it's, why the these he left them in a completely place where there's no dunya prospects, right? There are no universities and great employment opportunities in a valley which is infertile, right? So we should be most focused about our children's deen. And then if along with their deen, or put it to say, not at the expense of their deen, we can arrange and assure for them to have an education that would lead them to be a respectable member of society who could do khidmat of deen, we should do that as well. But never do that at the expense of deen. And a lot of parents don't realize that. And then they send their kids, for example, I've had cases of parents who send their kids to abroad. And the kid gets involved in all types of crazy things. Crazy. Don't think, I mean, I'm talking crazy things. Don't think I'm saying just they didn't become a Malvi. No, crazy. Drugs and, and heavy, heavy duty stuff. Heavy duty stuff. Crimes even. Even crimes. Right? And then they come to me and say, okay, what can we do? I remember once one kid I met, so okay, when he comes, I'll meet him. And I met the kid and within one minute, I could have told this, never should this kid have been sent abroad. You should be able to tell that there's some children who are firmly established on their iman, who are not lazy, who actually, could survive in an environment. And there are other kids you should, if I, and I'm not even the parent, I met them for the first time. It's a stranger to me and I can tell within two minutes this kid should never be sent abroad. The parents know their kids like the back of their hands. But they send them anyway. They send them anyway. Thinking that everybody wants to go abroad. The kid will start crying and whining if I don't send him abroad. I'm a third rate Canadian university. Right? And then they come back with severe emotional, spiritual, psychological, moral problems and dilemmas. And what can I do at that point? Right? What can we do? Right? And then they say to me, Bismillah, Allah tawakkul unko beja tha. Ab tawakkul ayad aagya. Mein unko Allah tawakkul beja tha. Allahu bar tawakkul, I told you. Tawakkul does not mean to discard the asbab. If the asbab are screaming to you that your kid is extremely lazy, he gets up at 11 a.m. every weekday in the summers, he gets up at 1 p.m., he sleeps through dars, you have to drag him to anything, Right? He doesn't have any responsibility, is not interested in society, doesn't have any sense of being a good citizen, couldn't care less about the poor, never visits an orphanage, has, I mean, And then you wanted to tawakkal on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. 
That's a delusion you put yourself in, right? And really, you know, tarbiyat, tarbiyat, and your schools don't do it either. The schools in this country, you know, and this is really, let me tell you the beauty about Islam. The beauty about Islam was talim and tarbiyat go together. That's what produced your golden age. It's not just those astronomers. We understand every one of those scientists that all the West say that in the Middle Ages, the Islamics, every one of those muttaki scientists. It was a muttaki astronomer. It was a muttaki mathematician. They were muttaki. Talim and tarbiyat went together. When Pakistan accepted the secular model of separating talim and tarbiyah, you lost your use. Completely lost them. Illa mashallah. Few of them either managed to do their own tarbiyah with someone. <laughs> right? Or they somehow some parents have. There are still some parents left who did do their tarbiyah. Right? But otherwise, talim without tarbiyah, kafaydaini. You need to have both. Alright. So khair, so Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam left this legacy. And again, we have been taught in Quran, I did this for you before, that we are supposed to be following Millat Ibrahim. And what was he worried about? So that they established salah. That's what he wanted. All of this he sacrificed for one thing. The yuqimus salata. So that they can be regular on salah. I will settle them down in this barren, infertile valley next to Kaaba. So they can be protected from shirk, and they can be protected from kufr, and they can be regular in salah. And then Allah Ta'ala, I want you to incline the hearts of all the people in all of the world towards them. Alright. So this also shows then how much we should be concerned about the salah of our children. Here it's very beautiful and a very long du'a, also something to be marked up and we can read. You don't necessarily have to memorize it, you can sight read it. Rabbana innaka ta'lamu ma nukhfi. That, O oh, our Rabb, indeed you know what it is that we hide, what we conceal in our heart. Right? And you know what we reveal and disclose. In fact, nothing in, in, all the, nothing in the earth and nothing in all the realms that lie above can be concealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا يَخْفَى عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي السَّمَاءِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي وَهَبَ لِي عَلَى الْكِبَرِ إِسْمَعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقِ إِنَّ رَبِّي لَسَمِيُّ الْدُوَاءِ All praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone who gifted me and bestowed upon me Sayyidina, my these two sons, Ismail, Sayyidina Ishaq, even though I was al kibri even though I was upon old age, Inna Rabbi لَسَمِيُّ الْدُوَاءِ Indeed my Rabb is answers and all listening and all hearing to all prayers. Rabbi Jalni Mukimas Salati and Allah Swanta make me one. And we looked at the figure of Sayyidina Ramasan. <laughs> He's a Nabi. <laughs> He's a Nabi. Shows you Namaz ki kitni figure honachay. Anbiya figure gardate. He's a Nabi of Allah Swanta. He's just built the Kaaba. Right? And he's worried. He's making dua. Rabbi Jalni Mukimas Salah. That Allah make me somebody who is regularly, firmly established on salah. And all of my children and lineage and part. This was his greatest fikr. After being given nubuat, after being given everything. This is his worry. This is his worry. So this is showing us, this is what a father is supposed to be like. Right? Many times you talk about mother and Islam. There's also something called father and Islam. Right, one who better to learn father and Islam from the Anbiya and Mursaleen, obviously Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallam, but also here we have from Sayyidina Ibrahim Alaihissalam. Rabbana wa takambal dua, O my Rabb, please accept my dua. Rabbana gfirli wa liwalidayya wa la mu'minina yawma yakum al-hisab. That O my Rabb, O our Rabb, we ask that you forgive me and forgive my two parents and forgive all of the believers on the, the day when the Yakum al-hisab, when the reckoning will start, when the reckoning will be established, when the hisab will become kaim on us. 
So in this rule, we want to be kind on our salah before we stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on a day when our hisab will be kind. Alright. So very important thing, salam. This is a dua that all of us, at least part of it, at least verse number 40 dua, that that should be at least something that everybody has memorized by now. Alright? Everybody should have memorized this by now. Okay? To how much we should be regular in our salah. Verse 42, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues here in Quran al-Kareem, that what's going to happen... Uh, Never ever think that Allah SWT is unaware of what the unjust oppressors, sinners are doing. And actually Allah SWT has just given them a reprieve and a respite until such a day when all of the gazes will be... Uh, it literally means it will be, they will be turned upwards. It, it's an expression here that in terms of out of fear of terror or fear, their eyes will be glazed looking up. Allahu Alam. But this is a way in that the manifestation of terror will be on that day of judgment that the people who were dhalimeen, that's how they will be running around. So it's a muhta'ina muhta'ni ru'usihim that they will be muqna'i ru'usihim that they will be running around on that day of judgment with their heads raised upwards and their eyes will not return towards them. What does that mean? That their eyes will be fixed upwards. They won't be able to look down or look away or ignore what they're seeing. Control of their eyes is gone now. Their eyes are glued. Their eyes will be glued to every awe-inspiring thing that will happen on the Day of Judgment. They can't close their eyes. Not, they're not even given that much protection, right? So sometimes when a person is in a fearful situation, they close their eyes. This is what it means. Their eyes will be glued and stuck to whatever they want to see. And, وَأَفْئِدَتُهُمْ hawa. That their spiritual hearts, their spiritual hearts will be hollow. Their spiritual hearts will be empty and hollow. Right? Completely like a vacuum. So, you should warn the people of a day. Verse number 44. Warn the people of a day when punishment will overcome them. And the Zalimun, the people who committed sin and wrong, what will they say? Rabbana akhirna ila ajalin kareeb. That, oh, our Rabb, ya Allah, we ask that you give us just some reprieve for a short period of time. In other words, send us back just for a little bit. And what we will do, we will we will go back, nujib da'watakaw, we will respond and re- respond to your call. rusul. And what will we do? We will follow the Anbiya. This also shows the importance of ittibai sunnah. What did they say? They said, send us back, we'll do sajda to you. That's not what they said. They say, send us back, we'll do ibadat of you. That's not what they said. Why? Because on the day of judgment, they're going to see that who are the people who are successful on that day? What's the most significant feature that will be screaming out to them on that day of the people who are successful? They were the people who did ittiba of their anbiya. So when they tell Atal, send us back, they could have said, right, not buduka, send us back, we'll worship you. They could have said, send us back, nistudulaka, that we'll do sadda to you. No. They've now seen, they've seen, mushayda, they've seen what brings success on that day. And what brings success on that day is ittiba of the anbiya. That's what brings success on that day. Ittiba of the Anbiya. That's why they will say, send us back and what we will do. Give me another chance at life. Permane, I won't break the sunnah. Give me another chance, what will I do? Wa I will go back and I will follow the Anbiya and Mursalim. So it means, it's like saying that, it's Quran telling them, manne wale loge, hum peter channe wale loge, hum Anbiya ki pervi karne wale hai. Pervi humare ruhe ruhe ke andar 
It's complete opposite of individual, complete opposite. And I really tell you, and I don't think I've told you this in this door yet, secularism has been, it's the most perfect type of kufr. Secularism has everything in it that goes against every emotion of Qur'an. It's the most incredibly perfect design form of kufr yet. Every feeling that Qur'an wants to put, it gives you the opposite. This is a perfect example. Qur'an says you're ultimately, absolutely, completely, nothing other than perukar. And you have your own views, own feelings. Perfectly designed. The diametric opposite. If you want to know which form of kufr is the most diametrically opposed to deen, it's secularism and secular atheism. Atheism in terms of their theology, secularism in terms of their spirituality. Right? In Quranic insan, hum nabi hi ki mante. Hum nabi hi ki mante. Hum na apni mante, na kisi ki mante, nabi hi ki mante, or nabi ki manne walo ki mante. Hum nabiyin, or siddikin, or shahada, or san, un ki mante. That's it. Hum bilkul peechay channe walo. Hum bilkul logun ki peechay chanthe. And they say, how kyun logun ki peechay chanthe? How kyun ki peechay jare? How kyun ki baad mante? That's what the secular says. We're the exact opposite. Even they will know. But they will know only because they saw. They will have anal yakin now on the Day of Judgment. So the person who has even the kafir who gets anal yakin knows it's all about ittiba. ittiba. So they could have said they could have said many things. We'll believe. They don't say. They, they didn't present belief. They didn't present iman. They didn't present ibadah. What was the thing they presented? They presented that we will follow the anbiya and more ittiba. We will do ittiba. That's it. And that's the only thing they say. But of course, as you know, awlam takunu aksamtum min kablu malakum min zawal. Right? So first then, the response that will come to them, it's kind of, mm, how would you say, it's, it's jalal. I mean, in English you may view this as mocking. But here, Right, first response to the commentary, okay, but okay, before you even get to you, aren't you the same people who used to swear upon earth, swear oaths upon oath that you would never ever leave, that there was no akhirah, that you would never leave the world, you thought you would live forever, you thought there was no resurrection, you thought you wouldn't be brought to life after death, aren't you those same people? And aren't you those same people? وَسَكَنْتُمْ فِي مَسَاكِنِ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَتَبَيِّنَ لَكُمْ كَيْفَ فَعَلْنَا بِهِمْ That you lived in the same areas of the earlier communities who were wrongdoers and oppressors, and even then, right, and it was clear to you how we had dealt with them in terms of sent our punishment upon them, well, and we had made examples and cited, made examples of them, or we cited them to you as examples, right, but still that didn't help. So what did they do? They plotted their plots, they made their, their they hatched their plots, in the lahi makruhum, and all of their plots, the knowledge of all their plots rests with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever they plot lies before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When kana makruhum litazula minhul jibal, and indeed, even uh, they uh, they think that their plot, their plot is such that it would be able litazula minhul jibal, that it would remove a mountain, right? Even if their plot, in Kana, even were their plotting to be such that it was so, you can say, zabardast or khatarnak, it was so 
terrible a plot that he would even have the ability to move mountains. Even all of that just lies with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's up to him. All the power and might lies to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ مُخْلِفَ وَعْلِهِ رُسُلَهُ And never ever think that Allah Ta'ala will ever break His promise to the Anbiya wal Mursalin. So here you can add that to the ayah that Hazrat Sam mentioned yesterday. وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْتِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْدَى Right? So you can add this to that. Allah Ta'ala also said that He'll never ever go back on that promise. إِنَّ اللَّهَ أَزِيزٌ ذُنْ Allah is almighty and He is the ability, He is the power and ability and the only being who is able to take vengeance. Or not. A lot of material to cover today. Yoma tubaddalul ardu, al ardi. Okay. What does this mean? This now Allah is mentioning some of the features of that day. Right? Literally it means in this, the earth will be changed into another earth. Which does it mean that this whole planet earth will be rent asunder. But then you will be raised up on the day of judgment. You will be standing on something. There will be yet another ground or land upon which that there will be another midan. Right? So this whole earth will be rent asunder. But then there will be another land upon which the day of judgment will occur. And similarly that with Samawat. And like that the skies and the canopies will also change. But again when you are standing in front of Allah there will be something that is above you as well. And then, وَبَرَزُوا لِلَّهِ الْوَاهِدِ الْقَهَارِ Then all of humanity will be made to appear in front of Allah SWT. Al-Wahid, the sole one Allah SWT. Al-Qahar, the all-powerful, all-dominant Allah SWT. وَتَرَى الْمُجْرِمِينَ يَوْمِئِذٍ مُقَرَّنِينَ فِي الْأَسْفَادِ That you will see indeed the wrongful doers, the criminals, the disbelievers, the sinners, the oppressors on that day, that they will be shackled. They will be shackled together in fetters. You know, like they lead the criminals, you will see them shackled together in uh, chains. Sarabiluhum min qatiran. And their garments will be of tar. Of tar. He's translated resin. You can imagine, like, uh, you know, uh, tar. You will see that, you know, then they. they Sometimes in military strategy as well, they would dig pits and they would put tar in it and then they would light those tar pits on fire because tar is extremely flammable, extremely combustible. So not only are they going to be given the opposite, like a firefighter goes in with fireproof clothing, they're going to go into the opposite with fire-loving clothing, with extremely combustible. So the fire of Jahannam will be even magnified by the clothing that they wear. Allahu Akbar Kameera. And... Those garments will be so much that taksha wajuhuhum al-nar. So the garments will be made of tar. And then what will happen that the fire of Jahannam will cover their faces. Their faces will be layered and enveloped and wrapped and covered in the fire of Jahannam. لِيَجْزِيَ اللَّهُ كُلَّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ That's what Allah subhanahu wa recompense each and every person in entirety for what it is they used to do and commit. إِنَّ اللَّهُ سَرِيُّ hisab. Indeed Allah subhanahu is swift in reckoning. هَذَا بَلَاغٌ لِلنَّاسِ And then Allah Ta'ala concludes this whole surah by saying هَذَا this بَلَاغٌ لِلنَّاسِ is a message to be conveyed to the people. is a message for all of humanity. And so that they may be warned by means of this message. And so that they may also learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed huwa ilahu wahid, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one, one God. 
So this is the final message of the Mushrikeen that Allah Ta'ala is one. And so that the people of tender hearts and soft understanding and insight, they may take heed and admonishment and they may receive advice from all of this. Alright. Many, many things in Qur'an al-Kareem about the ahwal of Yawm al-Qiyamah. This is the first now you've had, right? About the garments of tar, about the fire consuming their face, about standing in chains, shackled in chains, Many, many things are coming and actually that's almost all of it is going to be next year. The second half of Qur'an, especially in the last and latter portions of Qur'an al-Kareem, have a lot uh, of this. Qatinan, this word that we translated tar, is actually the sap of a particular tree. It's some extract of a tree that is like a tar-like substance that is something that is extremely combustible and is extremely fire-loving. What does that mean? That it will make them mm, burn even more rapidly. Even more rapidly, right? Allahu Akbar Kabira, Allahumma ajirna min al-nar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save each and every one of us from even the fraction of the fraction of a second of the fire of Jahannam. Alright, next verse, Surah Al-Hijr. Alright, we are moving. Moving, moving, moving. Between today and tomorrow I have to read Surah Kaf because Thursday we're doing Surah Kaf, Right? So I got one juz, one and a half juz to do between now and tomorrow. Surah Al-Hijr, okay. Introduction of the surah. The surah is Makki surah. It comprises 99 ayat. All right. The surah begins by talking about Quran al-Kareem and the origins of Quran al-Kareem and trying to refute the objections that different other mushrikeen in Mecca raised on Quran al-Kareem. We started the same of the Makki surahs. It also then refutes this incident of being a fortune teller soothsayer that's going to take place in verses 17 to 18. It's also going to mention again the story of the story of Iblis and that is going to be from verses 26 to 44. And then again it's going to mention in brief stories of some of the earlier prophets. Same was again Saint Salih, Saint Shaykh, Saint Luta, Saint Rahim, Saint. All right. Al-Hijr is known, uh, the word here, Al-Hijr, the surah is named after the townships of the people of Thamud, and this will be referred to, or the people of the Sayyidina Salih islam the community that Sayyidina Salih islam was sent to was the al Thamud, and their townships, their structures were referred to as Al-Hijr, and it's going to be referred to in verse number 18. Indeed, these are the verses of the book, and this is Quran and Mubin, this is the Quran, the scripture that makes clear. Right? Alright, here Al-Swanta is now going to start in verse number 2, that many, many times the disbelievers will wish that they were in fact Muslims. Leave them, let them be, let them eat and enjoy, and let them let their hopes and fancies make them negligent and neglectful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Soon they will come to know. فَسَوْفَ يَعْلَمُونَ وَمَا أَخْلَقْنَا مِنْ كَرْيَةٍ إِلَّا وَلَهَا كِتَابٌ مَعْلُومٌ And Allah Ta'ala says, and we never ever destroy any community except that, that to, for that community there was a kitab and ma'loom, that there was an appointed term that was designated for that community. So no ummah can, no, no ummah can, ma tasbiku min ummatin ajalaha, no ummah can extend and exceed their term 
No ummah can pass away before the term has come, and no ummah can delay the passing the, the term that has come over them. Alright? Okay. What is going on here? So here uh, the kuffar used to mock the Muslims in this world. But when they face Allah Ta'ala in the Akhirah, at that time they will wish that they were believers. At that time they will wish they were believers. And what was happening here is some of the people of Mushrikir Makkah they had inklings of faith. And when they would have those inklings of faith, they would think that, oh, I wish I was Muslim because if the punishment is going to come, and if I, if I could become a believer, if I were a believer, if only I was a believer, then I would be able to avert the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So some of them had these inklings of faith. And, if, and otherwise, when they go to the Akhirah, then they will be wishing that they were Muslims. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs the Prophet that he shouldn't be distressed about them, he shouldn't worry about them, he should leave them be. Let them eat. Doesn't see by eat? It doesn't just mean literally, physically, because everybody's eating. But it means it's referring to another thing for us to think about. That what is their nature of ghaflat? So their ghaflat is being described as that they're interested in eating, hotling. Now you understand that one form of ghaflat doesn't mean all eating is ghaflat, but one form of ghaflat is in eating. So let them eat and continue to eat, and let them banquet. This may be a way. Let them banquet and feast. Let's translate it like that. Let them banquet and feast away. And let them enjoy, right? Let them enjoy in whatever which way they're enjoying. And let their hopes and fancies, which are their fanciful ideas that there is no day of judgment, let that also, can, all these three things, these are the three things, so these are three things that we don't want to have inside of us. All right. Take it. Let's go back down to verse number six. Waqalu, so what do they say? They say that, Ya ayyuhalladhi nuzila alayhi dhikru. That, O oh, you upon whom the dhikr was revealed. So dhikr here can mean Quran al-Kareem, can mean the advice that admonishment has been revealed. So what did they say to the Prophet? Innaka la majnoon. Innaka la majnoon. Indeed, you are majnoon. This is why the Mashaikh also say, in fact, Nabi said in Hadith, that you should worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much, so much, so much, hatta until this point that you were called majnoon. And this happens that sometimes this is still the way that this is exactly the way secular atheism mocks faith. They say these people are crazy. They're crazy. They're deluded. They're deluded. They're crazy. Right? It's the same thing that the Kufar Mushukir Makamash used to say. Saloma ta'tina bil malaikati in kunta min Right? Why don't you come forth with your angels if you're truthful? Why don't you bring them? Let's see these angels that you say are revealing revelation to you. Same thing the atheist of today says, right? Same thing, exactly the same thing. So Allah SWT responds, We do not send our angels, except with the haq, with the truth, and with even, you can say, with the absolute truth and decision. Right? And it also means that we send them bil haq, means that when we send them, we will send them bil haq with the decision of the punishment on these people. And at that moment, they will not be granted any reprieve any respite. Inna nahnu nazilna dhikra wa inna lahu lahafizun. And indeed we have revealed the Quran al Kareem, and indeed we are the ones who will do hifaza and we will protect it. So this is also a very famous ayah of Quran al Kareem, Surah Al Hijr, Surah 15, verse number 9. Right? Our own Sheikh, when he translates this in Urdu, he says, Inna ham nahnu ha ha ham nazilna ha ha hamne is Quran ko nazil kiya. 
اور ہم ہم ہی ہم اس کی حفاظت کرنے والے we are the ones who we are certainly going to be its guardians and protectors all right so this refers to hifazat the quran this is the ayah that is the basis that all of us know that quran claim cannot be changed cannot be altered there's no missing verses of quran there's no hidden piece of quran that's going to return later on in time there is nothing that can change quran al karim but what it's referring to is nothing can change the kitab there are two things that can't be changed number one is that nobody can change the scriptural revelation the kitab the maktuba the alfaz and huruf are intact second what it means is that there will always be at least a community that preserve its meanings there will always be at least a community until the end of time which will be taking admonishment in the seha for it it will never lose its capacity to instill and inspire the hearts with spiritual feelings and emotions there will always be people who receive quran Now it's not going to be the whole ummah. There may be people who misunderstand it, who misinterpret it, who misrepresented it. There may be people who are unfazed by it, untouched by it, unmoved by it. But there will always be at least some sense in which that dhikra is mahfuz, in which that, uh, that admonition and that advice is preserved. All right. Verse number 10. وَلَكَدْ أَرْسَنَا مَنْ كَمْ لَكَ فِي شِيَا الْأَوَّلِينَ Indeed, we sent uh, many anbiya and mursaleen. Uh, prior to you, Nabi Karim Sallallahu to the earlier to the groups of other papers. However, each and every one, no messenger came to them except that they used to mock and make a mockery of and ridicule the messengers that came to them. Kadalika nasluku nasluku hu mujrimin. So Allah Subhanahu Taala says, and thus then, what do we do? We make the kufr enter into the hearts of sinners. We mock them. We mock them back. We make their mockery enter into their hearts. So they used to mock the Anbiya, that was their kufr. So Allah says, we make that same mockery, that same kufr enter into their heart. La yu'minun bihi, they do not believe in Qur'an al-Karim. وَكَلْ خَلَتْ سُنَّةُ الْأَوَّلِينَ Although the ways of many previous people, i.e. the examples of the previous people who have disbelieved in Revelation have passed, they, they are witness to that. وَلَفَتْ uh, This is the ayah I told you. وَلَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَابٌ مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ Even if we had opened up a gate to them from the firmaments and heavens that lie above, فَذَلُّوا فِيهِ And even if they were to climb through that gate in the sky and they would ascend it in the brilliance of the daylight, what would they say? That they would say that no, our eyes have been bewitched, right? Our eyes have been deluded, our eyes have been mesmerized. And they would say about themselves, that we have been people who are bewitched. So even if we were to give them a miracle, even if we were to open up the heavens and bring them up into it, give them a stairway to heaven or ladder to heaven, right? Even then, they wouldn't accept. They would just say that we have been bewitched, right? Exactly the same thing the secular atheist says. If you meet somebody who says, no, I feel something in prayer, that's how you're just deluded. It's your own psychosomatic uh, induced condition. You think you feel sukun in sajda. Therefore, when you come out of sajda, you feel some sukun. Exactly the same thing today secular atheist says. It's like the anti-Quranic philosophy, right? They say the exact same thing. And they do it with mockery. And they do it being snide and sarcastic and cynicism. 
Allahu Akbar, we have to make dua. Right? Don't think I'm deriding it so that you don't fall into it, but I'm not deriding the people who have it. We should feel extreme empathy and sorrow and grief that somebody could be sarcastic about deen, mock the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And we must reach out to them. Remember Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi right? Hadim, awah, right? With extreme forbearance and extreme tenderheartedness. That is for the people of secular atheism. But for the philosophy of secular atheism itself, we use words of condemnation. Very big difference, right? So I don't want you to think, right? Because I don't think I'm not taking any tone towards any person. We have only empathy and love and grief and sorrow over their case. And it's only because we are not good Muslims that we're not able to bring them out of that darkness. It's our own failure at a personal level. But at an ideological level, the philosophy of secular atheism must be condemned in the strongest of terms. Right? Okay. So, where were we now? Number 17. وَلَكَدْ جَعَلْنَا فِي السَّمَاءِ بُرُوجًا وَزَيَّنَهَا لِلنَّاظِرِينَ Indeed, we have placed the stars in the heavens and the firmaments, and we have beautified the stars for the nadirin. Here, once a person asked me this question, and he wasn't even willing to listen to my response. I was amazed. His question was that, look, Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, that they placed the stars in the sky. But we know now today in science that the stars are not in the sky, but the stars are millions and millions of light years away. You know, I don't know what he expected. Maybe, I mean, it's sometimes it's done, they're so arrogant, they expect that may shabash hooker, maybe atheist banyanga. I really, that, that's, he, that's what he, that, he acts, I mean, that's the arrogance, arrogance of atheism. It's the most arrogant philosophy also. I don't know what he thought. He thought, but that's it, okay, you're right. Maybe atheist banyanga. Actually, Allah Ta'ala is saying, Allah Ta'ala has placed the stars in the sky as an adornment. Now, placing them in the skies as a zenith, as a zenith, right? It doesn't mean that they're there in terms of wujud, they're there in terms of zenith. So, when you look at the sky, not in Lahore, but if you go out, you know, to a nice rural area where there aren't city urban lights and you can actually see the sky. So the sky is adorned with the stars. Right? And Allah Ta'ala has structured the atmosphere of this earth in such a way that you can see the light of the stars only in that dot level. Allah Ta'ala structured the universe and galaxies in such a way that all of those stars are at such a distance that other than the sun, all of the other ones, their light, either doesn't appear to you at all, or only appears to us as a dot-dot level. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created in such a way, right? It doesn't mean that the stars are physically in what today we call the sky, right? Or we're or, or at the 30,000 feet where the plane flies, right? That's it. That's all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. That He has placed the vision of the stars in the sky, the beauty of the stars in the sky, to make it an attraction for those who gaze upon the sky. All right? وَحَفِزْنَاهَا مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ And we have safeguarded it uh, from every uh, shaitan regime. What does it mean? So it means that, uh, well, let me just finish this. But the one, except إِلَّا مَنِ اسْتَرَكَ السَّمَعَ فَأَتْبَأَهُ شِهَابٌ مُبِينٌ That except that one who eavesdrops, he eavesdrops and that person will be chased by a clearly visible flame. All right. So Firshir Musi Taki Usmani Sahib has mentioned this, that we're talking about shaitan and the shayateen. So there's a notion here, right, that revelation comes from above. 
Now again, I've explained to you, it does not mean that Allah Ta'ala is physically situated above the clouds or in the sky. Revelation comes above means that the kursi and arsh and the divine realms transcend. They're above and beyond. Not necessarily in a physically sense above, but they transcend. They transcend. If almost if you wish, if you could take again an example of a basketball. Imagine the basketball is in the middle of the room. Right? The basketball is the entire known physical universe. All of the other space in the room is the realm and presence of the angels. The walls of the room is the kursi. Alright, so if I say any piece of air in the room, you can't say it's above the basketball. It could be to the left, to the right, to the bottom, but the basketball is in the middle of the room. It means that it's beyond the realm of the basketball. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it sends the, the revelation to the angels. The angelic realm is not just above, it's in all directions, beyond and transcendent to the human universe. So when the angels would come, and Allah Ta'ala would order them sometimes in different ways, one example is Allah Ta'ala would order them to come and collect a piece of the revelation from the Lohu Mahfuz, and then for example, Sayyidina Jibreel would take it down to Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Now, uh, the shayateen were prevented by Allah subhanahu wa This is something important because earlier Iblis, remember, he had access to them. He had access to the angelic realm. That's why he was there when Allah subhanahu wa called the gathering of the angels and told them all to make sajda to Sayyidina al Thereafter though, when the wahika sallallahu when it began this process of revelation, Allah sealed off these realms to shayt, Iblis, shaitan, and all of the shayateen jinn who are accompanying him in this uh, quest for evil. Alright. However, some of them what they did then is they tried, they would go all the way to the border of where they could travel, to the edge of where the angel is going to come. Why? Because when the angel comes to bring the revelation, the angel is going to leave the angelic realm and enter the human realm. It's going to actually, angel Jibreel Islam, used to come down to Makkah Makarama, used to come to Medina Manara. So there must be some sense of a border, Right? So what these shayateen used to do, they used to go to that border and they would try to, so to speak, in the way the Quran is explaining it, so to speak, eavesdrop. That's how you would put it in English, right? They would try, so to speak, to eavesdrop because they knew they couldn't go all the way, but maybe they could, their hearing could go further, right? Their hearing could go further, all right? Okay, if they were to do that, so what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? If any one of them does that, so shihab. Right, and some people keep this name as well. Shahab is Shahab is going to um, pursue them, and what is that Shahab? That is this notion of some type of ray or uh, some type of flame. Now, no one knows exactly what this is. Nobody can say exactly what it is. Right? I can't say to you what exactly this is, but simply, all it's enough for us to believe in that Allah Subhanahu is um, sends something on them. Now, whether that flame consumes them, whether that flame just makes them forget what they heard, maybe they didn't hear anything, the flame just drives them away, but it means that there's some punishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends, right, on the shayateen who try to go to this border, right? But this in itself, even if we, it's not a problem for us that we don't understand this completely, this is one of the mutashabihat. It makes no difference to our success on the Day of Judgment, it makes not part of our hidayah what the meaning of shahab is. And does that flame pursue them and catch up with them or just pursues them and drives them away? Is it a ray? Is it a flame? What is it? It has nothing to do with our hidayah. All right. 
Well, the only part of Hidayah, in, the, the, the part of Hidayah in here that is for us, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has protected, this is part, the rubbed here is talking about Hifadat of the Qur'an. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the Qur'an in many ways. One way He did protect it was He protected, because apparently Iblis and the jinn thought that they could somehow corrupt the angels and go into the angelic realm and somehow create some corruption in Qur'an and to use slang to mess with the angels who are bringing revelation. So part of Hifazat the Quran is this, that's enough. So this Shahabu Mubin is just part and parcel of one of the ways that Allah Ta'ala did Hifazat of this Quran. That's all the Hidayah we need to get from this. Well, Arda Madad Naha, and Allah Subhanahu Wa says, and we have laid out or spread out this earth, right? So this is another uh, sign of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and we have placed upon it Firm, we have placed and settled firmly upon it mountains, and we have caused a known and determined amount of produce to grow from this earth. All right, and we have created in the, and we have placed in this earth uh, all of the ma'i ma'ayisha. Ma'ayisha means all of the sustenance of life, all of the means and sources and sustenance of life have been put in this earth, not just for humanity, but also for for humanity. Uh, but also even for all of the creatures on this earth. Alright, so now we're here on verses 7, 16, 17, 18 is done, 19 is done. 20. وَجَعَلْنَا لَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا عَيِّشَ وَمَنْ لَسْتُمْ لَهُ So first translation can be that we placed on this earth all of the things that you need for your own sustenance and source of your life. وَمَنْ لَسْتُمْ لَهُ and the sustenance for all of those people for whom you are not able to nourish. In other words, if there are some domesticated animals that human beings themselves provide food for, and there are many wild animals that are untended, so it's not that the humans are going to extract the risk from the earth and give it to those animals, those animals will get it themselves. All right? And the second way that this can be translated is that, uh, here we'll just leave it at that. Verse 21 uh, yeah, verse 21, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, And there is nothing in this world, there is no such thing, other than that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lies its stores and its treasures. But Allah ta'ala says, we have not sent down from the stores and treasures, except a determined amount and a quantity. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that we send the winds down, this we've done before, we send down the winds that carry the clouds that are weighed heavy, laden with water, and then send down water from the sky and give it to you to drink, and, uh, and you are not able to store it. Okay? What does this mean that uh, you're not able to store enough water that you would need for your whole lifetime yourself? You can store water in reservoirs, but if it didn't rain again, it means that there's no way that without Allah Ta'ala keeps sending the rain, you would not have enough drinking water. right? And that's why Allah Ta'ala keeps sending the rain, because no matter how, even if all the reservoirs in the world store all the rain that comes in the world, still your need would be for another rainfall. Right? both for the prop, crops and produce that are in this earth, and both for human beings who are drinking this water. Indeed, Allah says that we are the one who bring, uh, we bring, we cause to life and we bring to death, and we are the ultimate inheritor of each and everything. In other words, who is the warath of everything on this earth? Well, actually, ultimately everything belongs back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And Al Ta'ala says, Indeed, we know those who were first and who were first and foremost from amongst you. And we know those who came later and followed after. And indeed, know that certainly your Rabb will gather each and every one of member of humanity to Him. Indeed, Allah SWT is all-knowing and all-wise and all-knowing. Why is Allah mentioning this again? You've seen before that the earth and the mountains and the rivers and the clouds, all of these are signs of the creation of Allah SWT and this is a recurring thing that has come before and is coming again. When Allah SWT says that He is the inheritor of everything, ultimately, this is the concept that everything returns to Allah SWT. So in that sense, when He folds up the world, whatever He wishes to keep remaining in the world, which is insan, Everything else will be finished. It's Allah Ta'ala's wish that He decided to give humanity and eternity. So He will then inherit them. The whole world will be folded up, and whatever He wishes to continue will be inherited or returned to Him. Right? This is what it is. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. What did it mean here, this Arabic word? This in verse number 24 that Allah Ta'ala knows the mustaqdimina and second Allah Ta'ala knows the mustaqhirin. So mustaqdimin means those who seek to be first, those who seek to be the first and foremost, those who excel in their taqwa, in their deen, in their virtue, in their obedience to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And this is, this is one tafsir of this. And the second is that the, the other ones are those who follow them, those who follow them. So Allah Ta'ala knows those who lead and excel in virtue and obedience. And Allah Ta'ala knows also at least those who at least they try to follow them. Second meaning is it's referring to uh, rows in Salah. That Allah Ta'ala knows who are in the first few rows of Salah. And Allah Ta'ala knows the rest of the people who are occupying the following rows of Salah. Third meaning is that Allah Ta'ala knows the first generations of Muslims the early pious generations of Muslims, and then Allah Ta'ala knows those who will follow them in their teachings and in their path of deen. Alright? Here, either way, Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala has knowledge about each and every person. Okay, indeed, Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala says, indeed, that we have created humanity, and these words are a little bit tricky to translate into English, so let's see. Indeed, we have created humanity, number one, from salsal. Salsal is a type of earth-like substance, a type of clay, right, uh, which Allah SWT says is min hama'im masnoon, right, which is derived from, it's a type of, you can say salsal is malleable clay. Malleable, one way that I would translate this is malleable clay from fixed earth. Malleable clay Malleable means that you can mold it, right? And you can shape it from a fixed earth. Okay. Some translate this that we have created insan out of clay, which is formed from mud, right? So the, either way, the suggestion here is that from all of the elements that Allah Ta'ala placed in the earth, selected elements were taken. Remember, I always explain to you, look at any good multivitamin, you will see what those elements were. Zinc, copper, magnesium, potassium, iron. This is what you're made of, right? Water. So from all of the things that were in earth, Allah Ta'ala took some selected elements from that earth. And then the collect, the, the sort of the mixture of those selected elements from earth, that is salsal, right? Now whether some 
translate salsal as dry and the other one is muddy, others translate it the other way around, right? Uh, but the point is that Allah subhanahu wa took all the nourishing elements from the earth, extracted them, and made, if you can say, a human compound, right? Which is like your multivitamin, the periodic table of elements, and made humanity from that. That's the best way we explain it to you. And the jinn, as far as jinn, the jinn were created before. So the one thing you get here, which will fascinate all of you in Pakistan, that jinn were created before insan. Right? That you should understand because Iblis was one of the jinn and he was there to witness the creation of Sayyidina Adam Obviously the jinn were created before insan. Alright. What were they created from? So the jinn were created from a fire, right? From a fire that is derived from a scorching wind. All three translations using the exact same words here. From a fire derived from a scorching wind. Now how does wind give rise to fire? Allahu Allah. Maybe very similar to the way sand gives rise to glass. I don't know if you know, I knew that much later in life. You know glasses that we have, glass? It's made of sand. It's that they're actually made from sand. That's how glass is made, right? So, and they call it blowing. That's what they call sand blasting. Right? They have sand blasting machines that actually make glass from sand. So, some way, this, somehow the scorching wind was blasted and that has actually been how fire was made. Allah You can also maybe understand scorching wind as some type of wind of mass, pure thermal energy. And from absolute thermal energy and from some type of flowing wind of thermal energy was extracted the elements of fire. And from those elements of fire that were extracted, from that Allah Ta'ala made all of the jinn. Then what Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala say, then Allah Ta'ala is going to address the angels. That comes next. So when Allah SWT, when your Rabb told the angels that indeed I am creating a human being, again from the same thing made from that, select elements of the earth, right? So what did they, and when I have, so wait to who, and when I've completed perfectly forming his outward form, that is that part of it that is made from the elements that are in earth. Right? When I've completely fashioned him and formed him from all of those elements of the earth that I've selected to form him from, then this next thing that will happen, when afaqtu fihim min ruhi, then I will blow and infuse into him min ruhi from my ruh. Faqa'u lahu sajideen. Then when that happens, then I want all of you to fall into Sajda time. So this is another. This is the way Allah Ta'ala, earlier Allah Ta'ala, when we did the story earlier, for example, through Araf and other places, Allah Ta'ala just described that He commanded the angels to bow. Now the details are given exactly how the words of that command. So it means that they stood, the angels watched the whole process, they watched Allah Ta'ala extract those elements from the earth, form in sound, right? With His calcium bones and the iron in His blood and all of that stuff. Then saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala infuse, and I'll do that in a little bit, infuse his root into that insan, and then they were supposed to do sajda. So what happened then? That each and every single one of the angels fell into sajda collectively, simultaneously. Illa Iblis, and I mentioned this to you before, that except Iblis, he was not an angel, he was a jinn, he did not fall into sajda. Okay. Aba an yakuna ma'asajideen. He refused to be amongst the people who made sajda. Qala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him, that Ya Iblis, 
that all bliss, malaka Allah takuna ma sajideen. So what's happened to you? What's the matter with you that you haven't made yourself? You didn't become amongst the people who made sajda to Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. So what did say? What did Iblis respond? Verse number thirty. Kala lam akun le asjuda le bashanin. خَلَقْتَهُ مِنْ سَلْسَالِمْ مِنْ حَمَائِمْ مَسْنُونَ That it does not befit me, I can never be somebody who can prostrate to a human, a human whom you have created from, right, again, uh, whatever translation you want to use for that, سَلْسَالِمْ مِنْ حَمَائِمْ مَسْنُونَ From those collective elements of the earth that have been derived from the larger mass of the earth, mud, clay, composing, not composed, soft, hard, different translations. قَالَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَخْرُجْ مِنْهَا That leave, get out from the Divine Presence. You should leave from here. فَإِنَّكَ رَجِيمٌ Indeed, that you are repudiated and you are an outcast. وَإِنَّ عَلَيْكَ لَعْنَةَ إِلَى يَوْمِ الدِّينَ And indeed, you will have the land of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the way until يوم الدين. Right? All the way until يوم الدين. So he said, قَالَ إِبْلِيسَ رَبِّي فَأَنذِرْنِي إِلَى يَوْمٍ يُبَثُونَ That, O oh my Rabb, and he said, My Rabb, he said, O oh my Rabb, grant me some respite until the day upon which everyone will be, the day when everyone will be resurrected. Allah SWT said, Qal, Allah SWT said, فَإِنَّكَ مِنَ الْمُنْدَرِينَ Indeed, you are amongst those who have been granted respite. إِلَّا يَوْمِ الْوَقْتِ الْمَعْلُومِ Until that day of which there is a known time that is appointed for that day to come. Qal, Rabbi bima aghwaitani. Okay, now watch this. That what does he say? This is a very fascinating thing here. 39, and then we'll have to spend some time on this, I think, today. Right. Let me at least do this dialogue for you. Then we may have to, we'll have to let you go. Mm. So let me finish translating it. 39 to 44, and then we'll have to stop. Right? Because actually today I myself have to, uh, be somewhere. So, Iblis, he said that, O Rabb, O my Rabb, based on that you have made me astray. Agwaitani, Agwaita, you led astray ni me. So he's blaming Allah SWT. Now what happened here? What we can comment on tomorrow? But he's blaming Allah SWT. Just keep this in mind. Okay. So what am I going to do? La fil ardi, and I'm going to make beautiful for all of them on earth. Right? I'm going to make beautiful for all of them on earth. What? What am I going to make beautiful for them? I'm going to make. Hmm, Sin, beautiful for them. I'm going to make evil beautiful for them. I'm going to make immorality beautiful for them. I'm going to make false ideologies and philosophies attractive and alluring and enticing to them. All types of things. But the key word here is zinat. Well, how is shaitan going to lead insan astray? And again, I'll explain this tomorrow, tomorrow, but zinat. This is what he says, I'm going to make them go astray by means of a zinat I will put on earth. ajma'in. I will make them all go astray. إِلَّا إِبَادِكَ مِنْهُمُ الْمُخْلَسِينَ And but even Iblis knew that there are going to be a certain type of people who will be able to stay away from his trap. And who are that? إِبَادِكَ That you're ibad. Those who believe in you, worship you, are subservient to you. And they're mukhlasin except you're chosen special ibad from amongst them. Alright. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Qala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, هَذَا سَرَاطٌ Indeed, this is the straight path that leads people to me. In other words, uh, that what will, who will be those people who are not 
who were the Ibaduka, who were the Ibad, who were Mukhlasin, who were chosen by Allah will not be astray. It's going to be those people who take the Sirat al Mustaqim to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then what does he say? Inna ibadi laysalaka alayhim sultan. Very important I also to remember to recite. Surah Al Hijr, Surah 15, verse 42, that indeed my ibad, they said, Laka alayhum sultan, that you, shaitan, you will have no sway over them. You will have no authority over them. You will have no power over them, no warrant over them. Illa manittabaka min al Except whomsoever willingly on his own chooses to follow you, shaitan. And who are going to be those people who willingly follows you? They're ghaween, they're deviants. So it also makes it clear that people who are going to follow shaitan are going to do so from their own volition. And indeed for any such one of my humans who on his own chooses to follow you instead of me and falls into deviance because they follow you instead of me, then indeed Jahannam will be their eternal abode is the promised place for them. Laha sab'atu abwab and Jahannam has seven doors. لِكُلِّ بَابٍ مِّنْهُمْ جُزْءٌ مَقْسُومٌ And each and every one of those seven gates will be given a stipulated share and a stipulated group of those deviants. Out of all of those deviants, each door will get its allotted share. Alright? Uh, Alright, so we'll stop over here for you for all. Comment on this tomorrow, inshallah. Uh, and uh, so we're here in Surah the Hijr, verse 44. Tomorrow we have a long day. Tomorrow I'm actually planning, and maybe tell you in advance, those of you who call your cars, tomorrow it's my full need to take you all the way till 5.30. Because tomorrow I have to finish Surah the Hijr, and do Surah the Nahal, and do all the Surah the Sar, Surah Bani Israel. So yes, so those announcements that I mentioned to you again, so today is Tuesday, tomorrow is Wednesday, inshallah, we will will, uh, give a bit of a long session tomorrow. And on Thursday we have the last session for this year. And on Thursday, like on Sunday, Sunday we did like a dedicated session to Surah Yusuf. So on Thursday we're going to have that type of session, more dedicated, more in focused on Surah Kahf. And then after that we will give the Ikhtitami Dua, for this year's uh, English Torah Tafsir. For both the men and women, Ikhtitami from my side, but for the women, the Torah Tafsir in English will continue, so my wife will then resume immediately the next day on Friday, and then she will complete the rest of the Quran, inshallah, in the rest of Ramadan. And the men will have to wait for me to come back uh, to Lahore sometime in the future. Alright? And those of you who are interested, we do have an Urdu Torah Tafsir going on in the morning. Now obviously you may not be able to come to both, but Thursday at 12 noon, we're going to have the khatam for that, and because actually they have completed the entire Qur'an, so it comes in a sahih hadith by Nabiya Karim Sassam that the du'a that is offered at the time of the khatam, when the Qur'an is completed, that is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So especially for the men, because the women may have their khatam later on the 20th of Ramadan, but with me we're not actually completing the whole Qur'an, so that's why we've made a specific time for that. So if on Thursday you come at 12, then inshallah you can participate in the last couple of surahs tafsir and the khatam quran dua of our Urdu dua tafsir. So it means that we want some himmat for you in the last two days. Like every jogger, they sprints when they raise the hand. So what is what I'm actually asking you to do? I'm actually asking you that tomorrow, which is Wednesday, give me 2 to 5.30. And I'm asking you on Thursday, give me 12 to 5.30. Inshallah. You can do it for us, inshallah. And then after Thursday, 
men get the chutti udagi. And then the women will continue, inshallah. Alright? Inshallah, Shabbat, let's pray, yes, sir. So we're going to pray Asr immediately. We're going to make the first Jamaat. We're going to call the Kama and pray Asr. And then uh, Dua I'll make tomorrow, inshallah, because I actually have to, I have to be somewhere where I can't be late. All right?